0: Listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, episode 62. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. That's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. More than anything, this show is home to honest conversations between real people. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to get you to fix yourself or your life or follow the 10 best life hacks or anything like that. Instead, this is a space to just be real, to take a deep breath and talk about all the behind the scenes stuff that I think isn't talked about enough, like our fears, challenges and insecurities, our secret dreams, how it really feels to try and make changes in your life and in the world, what happens when you don't accomplish a goal and just the day-to-day truths of being human in a crazy world as your host it's so much fun for me to sit down with everyone from athletes writers and entrepreneurs to parents coaches activists change makers world travelers adventurers artists the list goes on and on and to bring those conversations to you and fair warning real quick that this is an adult podcast which means that we often cover adult topics and use adult language so don't say you haven't been warned because this is your little warning My hope for you as a listener of this show is that it makes you laugh, think, and just feel less alone, because honestly, that's all that I ever want, to know that I'm not alone. Something else that's unique about the show is that it's now 100% community-supported, which means no ads, no sponsors, and no outside influence, just us here together sharing stories. The show is made possible by listeners like you, who have pledged $8 or more per eight-episode season. To do this, we use a platform called Patreon, and not only does your support go toward the funding goal we need to hit in order to keep the show going beyond the end of 2016, which means beyond the end of this season, season eight, but your support also earns you access to exclusive bonus content. That includes conversations and interviews with wonderful guests that aren't aired publicly, plus you get access to the Squad Pod, a shorter version of Real Talk Radio where the guests are you, the members of the community. And coming in mid-December, there's something extra special happening for those of you who are in the Patreon community. A handful of your favorite past guests will come back to share a real talk end of year recap, including details about their 2016 successes, failures, and lessons learned, as well as dreams and goals for 2017. And all of that will only be available to our Patreon support squad. So to get access to that, plus over 20 hours of other bonus content, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. That's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. And at the end of this episode, you'll actually get to meet one of our community members who joins me for a quick and hilarious game of would you rather and shares how great it is to be part of our Patreon community. So if you believe in this Real Talk revolution like I do, and if you're in the position to be able to support the show, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Right now, the show is scheduled and funded through the end of 2016. And if we meet our funding goal by the end of the year, then it will be able to continue into 2017 too. And you can totally help make that happen. So thanks so much for your support. And now let's dive right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Drea Isasi. Drea is one of my oldest and closest friends, a longtime Los Angeles resident and tried and true Californian who recently relocated to the Pacific Northwest. And I'm super excited to have her closer by. She's a professional project manager at Cinco Design, a creative design and branding agency in Southeast Portland, Oregon. And she's also an amateur runner, chef, and outdoors person. From 2001 to 2012, Drea maintained a wonderful personal blog where she wrote about life as a puzzled 20-something and recapped many seasons of ABC's The Bachelor in a hilarious series called I Watch The Bachelor So You Don't Have To. Drea and I actually first met through our blogs, and I miss hers all the time. In this episode, which is the kind of honest, rambling, fun conversation that can only happen between two dear friends, we cover everything from dating, relationships, and sharing your life online, to personal growth, friendship, respecting yourself, and so much more. Anyone who loves hearing open, fun, and vulnerable conversations will enjoy this episode, and I can't wait to introduce you to Drea. Awesome. we are recording. Drea, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me in your
1: home. Oh yeah, (laughs) here we are
0: in my little office slash recording studio that like just, like, stick some chairs at a table and, like, here's a microphone and let's do this thing. It's an office. It's, an office. <laughs> it's not a recording studio. No. Um, but we are recording, so maybe that then makes it a recording studio. That's fair. Um, what did you want to be when you were little? When you were, like, five or six, what was your, when I grew up, I'm going to... Oh, man.
1: <laughs> I always thought that I was going to be a teacher. Okay. Um I don't know like what great like probably like younger kids I think because I was a younger kid and I like loved school and I idolized my teachers so I wanted to be one um but then earlier in my career I was I like trained people and that's kind of you know education in a way and it was the worst. (laughs) (laughs) What did you hate about it? I think it's because they were adults. Like, I was teaching adults, and in a sense, they were smarter than I was because they were there for a specialized skill. Like, they had been hired for the to the company to, like, do a thing or to be an artist or whatever. So, I felt like they should be smarter than me, but then they weren't. Like, nobody liked procedure, but I love procedure, which is why I like schools. So, <laughs> it didn't work out. didn't work out. So,
0: you are not molding the minds of young children.
1: No. <laughs> do you still think about it, ever? Um... Not really. I mean, I thought about it briefly when I was like, if I was going to go to grad school and like kind of go back to school and maybe teach at like the college level or older kids. Um, but I don't think that that's for me. I don't think that that's a career path that I really want to take. Okay. So I have a lot of respect for teachers though.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like a real hard job. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you had to, so like you don't have an option, right? Like your current life trajectory let's say is completed and you have to go back to being I don't know 16 years old this sounds terrible what I'm setting up already Um, you have to go back (laughs) to being 16 and like make life choices again Uh, would you go down the same path like so like it's okay actually this is interesting (laughs) let's say let's say you go back and like you're about to be transported back to being 16 and like once you make the transition you won't like remember like this whole life that you have but you like know it enough to kind of set yourself on a path
1: Oh, that's a different question. Okay. Okay. Because if I was 16 and I remember what I vividly remember what high school was like for me, I went to like a college prep high school. And so we were kind of like on the train, you know, like you're going to graduate high school with a really high GPA and you're going to go to a four year college and then you're going to graduate from there and maybe go to grad school or or like at least get a really good job. Um, And I... Just never thought to question that. Like, that was, like, the thing that you were supposed to do. Now, looking back on it, like, I should have ideally, like, gone to a community college and figured that out and I decided what I wanted to be and then saved a bunch of money. I got so much money. So much money. And then, like, made more deliberate decisions instead of just doing what everyone was telling me to do. But if I go back to being 16 and I don't know any of that, like, I would do the same thing. right, 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 right. right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I feel like one of the questions that people like to ask a lot is like, whether you have any regrets or like what you would tell your younger self or whatever. And I always kind of roll my eyes at that. But if you get like very realistic about it, it's not that I regret things because I was very much like you, like there were no other options. Neither Mm -hmm. of my parents graduated from college and I am their only child, not my dad's only child, but their only child. So I feel like there was a lot of, I don't even think I knew it consciously at the time, but like wish fulfillment going on where like, all of their like thoughts about education and regrets of their own education was like put on me like you Mm -hmm. have to do well in school you have to graduate you're going to go to college you're going to be the one that graduates college. you know all this stuff and so I never thought that there were other paths that you could take time off or that like it would have been given how I was raised like an embarrassment to go to community college oh yeah me too in the community where I grew up, it would have been an embarrassment. Like, that's just not what you did. Yeah, no, the people that went to the, like, local, and it was a good, the it local community college school. was great. Yeah, yeah, you and I are from a similar area. <laughs> and they were seen as, like, burnouts. Yeah. Basically, when actually, I'm like, man, they saved so much money.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, By the time they went to college, they, like, knew how to college, which would have been great.
0: Which would have been great, yeah. Um, I feel like going back, I wouldn't have gone to a four year school, or like I wouldn't have done. Yeah, I feel like I, I would, would have taken here. some serious time off and done the like traveling and the I don't know, just like life experience, or maybe like go straight to culinary school or like things that were seen as like quote trade schools or you
1: know, whatever. Yeah. I feel well, like that's so
0: smart. To, like I I actually learn how
1: to do something. I think that's so smart, but I've read and I believe this to be true, that there's like kind of a change in the trajectory happening happening now, like Higher education used to mean a lot more than it does at this point, and now people are going to trade schools, but the trade school is for things like coding, like, stuff where you can get out of there and get a really great job, you know, in the Bay Area and make a ton of money.
0: It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens, like, 10 or 20 years from now. I know. I mean, but at this point, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. Like, I, I think about... 18 year old me, who all of the expectations were go to college, like that's the only option, go to the best college that you get into, right? So, I, okay, I'm going to go to NYU, clearly don't have all of that money, even like with scholarships and stuff. So sure, I'm going to sign these papers and take out all this debt, which like all right. seems like monopoly money.
1: It, it is at that point. Mm-hmm. Until and then, four years later when you have to start paying Until it you up. have to start paying it back. Yeah. And you're making no money because you have a liberal arts degree. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And all you've done for
0: four years is, like, be taught to be pretentious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you went to UCLA, right? I went to UCLA. Yeah,
0: so mm-hmm. you and I both have <laughs> yeah. pretentious degrees. Yeah, super
1: pretentious. <laughs> um, and not, I mean, not useless. Like, I, I think that I learned things. And I was, I think the thing that I learned the most out of college was to value learning. Um. Which wasn't the case in all of the classes, but when I started taking classes about things that I wanted to learn about, then I, you know, became interested in teaching myself more about those things, so that's definitely valuable, but again, I could have gone to community college for two years and and then done the same thing. The path not taken, right. right? But looking back on it, like, even if knowing what I know now, telling my younger self that that's an option that you could do, I probably wouldn't have done it anyway, just for like, because again, my parents wanted us to go to four-year schools, and be successful quote unquote um and I wouldn't have wanted to disappoint
0: them yeah I also think for me ego was a really big part of it like Mm -hmm. it meant something to me that I had gotten into a good school Mm -hmm. like oh look I'm doing this because that was like what the pinnacle of success was in my peer group right and like family at the time and that's you don't think about I don't know I mean obviously this has come up a lot for me having just gone back to school yeah right and Mm -hmm. but it's it's so it's such a different experience this time around like that I didn't, really, I didn't take advantage of just all of the things that NYU had and like how amazing the faculty was. Like there was just so much more learning I could have done that I did not do.
1: I literally never went to office hours.
0: Not literally not once. I think, I think the only time that I went was a class that I had missed more than the amount of classes you were allowed to miss on the syllabus. And I was like, oh shit, like better make up for this. Like go to office hours and like pretend that I care about this thing. Right. Yeah, didn't go. They're just didn't like go. sitting in their office, and they're like brilliant and can for answer you. all. Yeah, for you to answer <laughs> all your
1: things. Yeah, what a waste! What a so waste! Dumb.
0: Mistakes. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what do I want to know? What feels really important to you right now? Like, what is top of mind for you?
1: Um, that's a good question. I think that I mean I'm such a creature of habit. Um. I feel like most content and happiest when I like kind of have a routine going on in spontaneity is great. And I'm into that also, but like on a day to day basis, I kind of want each day to start the same and follow kind of the same path and end the same, um, with some exceptions for, you know, funsies. Um, but because I just moved, like, that's a whole, like, it's a whole new ball game now. So, I mean, kind of trying to get myself into a place where like, I wake up at the same time every morning and then I do the same thing and then I go to work and then work is the same for a certain amount of hours <laughs> and then at the end of the day like I get to do again whatever it is that I want to do and it's a lot of freedom but it's also a lot of decision making um so I feel like if, when I get into a routine then I don't have to make all the choices anymore I'm just like doing the thing. and that's kind of my goal at this point between now and the end of the year is to figure that out so
0: tell me the story of how you decided to move and why
1: Oh, okay this is embarrassing <laughs> I mean I'm into it let's do it um okay so a little bit of background I um I just moved from LA to Portland Oregon yay Oregon yay Oregon and I lived in LA essentially from around three years old until I was 33 so that's 30 years of your life right so I grew up there and had my parents still live there and All of my, you know, friends from high school and stuff who I am still in touch with, most of them still live there. Um, But I had basically lived there my whole life, like, with, like, very short periods of time where I was, like, lucky enough to be able to work from two places and, like, kind of split my time between L.A. and San Francisco. But for the most part, I was, like, a resident of Los Angeles. So um, at the beginning of this year in January, I was kind of, like, uh, like, going through, I would go through love hate phases with LA. Like I really love it sometimes and then really hate it a lot other times. And in January I kind of hated it and I was tired of my job. Like my company was going through a rigor that had kind of dragged on for too long. And I ended up in a place that I wasn't super happy in. Um, and then this is where it gets embarrassing. Everything up until this has been fine. I was gonna say that's all some real normal. It's real normal. Now it's getting embarrassing. So in January, a new dating app came out. Oh my god! Wait, how, I don't even think I know this story. I don't. I, I feel like I've told it a few times, but like maybe not to you because it's dumb. <laughs> okay, so which new dating app so came out? It's Bumble, which is basically Tinder, but the same but different. So. In the sense that, like, on Tinder, you match. It's like a left swipe, right swipe dating app. And if you match, anybody can message anybody. But on Bumble, if you match, only the girl can send a message. So for guys, at least, it's the same amount of effort or less. Um, so every guy who's on Tinder is on Bumble, basically. Like, this is just kind of my something that I've noticed. Um, so... Bumble came out in January and um, everybody had it and I op- I would open the app and it was the beginning of the year and kind of just go like go through it. And within the span of like three to four days in two different cities, like it was I had rematched with like at least six people who I had already gone out with. And I was like, Oh, I'm done here.
0: <laughs> wait, I wait, know everyone so in Los Angeles. In this new app that you were matched with people that you had already dated yeah. in Los Angeles. Yes. How does that? There's so many people in LA. I don't. You, you were like, I have so? to move. Right. I
1: was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> I have completed this check.
0: <laughs> None of these dates worked out. I must move to a new city yeah. and explore Bumble in right.
1: the. Essentially, I was like, oh, I know everyone here, and <laughs> and then I realized that that was why I've been having. I had been like kind of unhappy in my social life, which was. Not that my social life was bad, but because I was so busy all the time, because I knew so many people, and there was always something to do and somewhere to be. And I'm an introvert, and I don't like to go out every single night. So, which I, is
0: hilarious, given that I feel like every time that I talked to you in the last couple of years, it was always like, "I
1: need to rein in how many plans I have. Like <laughs>
0: this is going to be the month that I don't have any plans," and then you would have plans every single day. Know, it would just
1: keep happening. Also, because I'm such a people loser. I like do I like people, but I also need to limit it. And especially because I'm a one-on-one person. So like I want to hang out with people one-on-one and then all of a sudden, if you have seven friends and you want to hang out with them all one-on-one, that's every day of the week. Right. 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 And um, then if you need to redate people that you've already dated,
0: it's right. <laughs> is a lot of time.
1: <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> okay.
0: Put that in the file box for later.
1: Okay. Um, so that happened and that was all going down and it sort of occurred to me that like, I am a grown-up, and I can change my situation if I want to, um, which had never really crossed my mind in that way before, um, because my family moved around a lot when I was a kid. Like, we lived in LA the whole time, but we, like, moved from house to house or whatever, so, like, feeling settled was kind of, like, a new, nice thing that was happening in my life. Like, I lived in that apartment that I was in in LA, where we lived across the hall. I lived there for seven years before I moved, which is a long time. To live in an apartment. (laughs) Um, yeah, so it just didn't really occur to me to move until like that month in January, and I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll move to Seattle because my best friend lives in Seattle and blah blah blah, and I know people there, and I thought I would like it. And it was it's an affordable-ish city, um, and there are a lot of jobs there. And so I was telling people that, and then a lot of our our mutual friends who are kind of like more intuitive, were like, why don't you just check out Portland? I had never been. Um, and I lobbied hard to get you to move here, even though I knew that wasn't going to happen, but right. Portland's close enough. I will take that. <laughs> yeah. So everyone was like, just check out Portland. And so I thought I was going to go by myself, um, in March. Yeah. Cause I was like, I'll just go and I'll get an Airbnb and stay by myself and walk around and like try to connect with the people who I kind of know peripherally in town. Cause I would be like mimicking what it would be like to live there. Um, but what ended up happening was, um, a friend of mine who had lived in Portland was like, well, I'll go with you and kind of show you around. And so she came and then another friend of mine, um, offered, this is actually really sweet and weird, but he had like a hundred dollar Alaska credit and and he Alaska Airlines credit. And he was like, why don't you just take my credit and (laughs) fly yourself to Portland? And I was like, that's really sweet, but no, like, why don't you take your credit and you can come too. (laughs) So we all came up for like a long weekend and just had like the best time, like the most magical weekend. And I was like, oh, I could live here. I'm going to live here. Um, And then at the same time, Um, the company that I was working for, like financially wasn't doing super great in, in the portfolio that I was on at that point. And I was like brand new to it because of the reorg and I was like, this probably isn't going to go well. This is the time of year that they do layoffs. Like, people are going to get laid off, and I was last in first out, so, like, it could be me. And I was really stressed out about it, and then we came on this trip to Portland, and they were like, if you got laid off, that would be a great thing, actually, because then you could move here. I mean, I remember when (laughs) you you guys came to Bend after Mm -hmm.
0: Portland, and we went on that hike, and you were, like, hoping to get laid off. Yeah, but I was
1: like, great, I'm going to get laid off. It's going to be (laughs) fantastic. And then, like, a
0: week later, you got
1: laid off. Yeah, Yeah. and then, like, less than a month later, that happened, and it was – Actually, one of the best things ever because I was essentially paid to leave a job that I was ready to leave and had all the money that I needed to move. Um, but again, like getting laid off sucks, especially if you're like a person who derives a lot of their worth from their productivity. Like if you are used to going to eight to five job every day and then all of a sudden that's taken away, like what are you going to do? Like it's so confusing. <laughs>
0: was that something that
1: you found hard? Oh yeah, it was really, really, really confusing because I've always known that like I like structure and I like the routine and I like to you know have a place to go every day um even if like when I get there it's different but like all of a sudden the whole day was like wide open I couldn't like, I couldn't figure out, like, when I wanted to work out. Like, all of a sudden, I didn't have to sit in traffic to get to the Pilates class that I liked anymore. I could go during the day. And I was like, oh, well, now I'm working out during the day. And this feels weird. And my body's weird. And now I'm hungry at weird times. <laughs> and then I, like, can feed myself whatever because, like, I can make food during the day. And I had time to actually cook. Yeah, it was really weird. It was a lot. Like, a lot of change at once. Um, but it ultimately – and at the time, I knew it was ultimately going to be a good thing. So – it ended up being great. I got a job um in Portland, and you know got the job offer and like within a month was like there in town in the apartment where I live now, and now you live in Portland, and I live in Oregon. yeah, something
0: that's interesting what you just said about the Going from like having a purpose, having a place to go every day to not, it's the kind of thing that we think of as like a fantasy situation. Oh my God, you know, like I get paid to leave this job and then I just have downtime, right? The kind of thing we always complain that we're so busy and we don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. But then once it changes, I know this is a different, a little bit of a different analogy, but that's similar to how I felt when I got back from my hike.
2: Like I okay. had just had this
0: like very intense sense of purpose. I mean, it was only for twenty six days, but it was like so intense. And then I got home and obviously was like physically wrecked and needed to
1: rest. But I felt like I just like couldn't. Aren't I supposed to be doing something? Like I have well, to yeah. be. Like it was like productivity anxiety. I mean, this is especially super intense because when you're on that hike, you wake up in the morning and your one job is to walk. <laughs> which you, it's funny. You asked
0: me last night what my favorite part of the hike was. And like my response was being done, which like, is still true. But in thinking through that more, I feel like my favorite part of it was actually what you just said mm-hmm. that like the purpose that there was a very clear purpose that was overriding everything else. Yeah. And I mean, that's rare. You kind of have to put your whole life on hold to have just like one singular purpose. You, know, okay. you don't have to do anything other than basically keep walking and not die. Yeah. Right? Which I had never had that singular of a focus before. And it's like very interesting to be like, okay, it doesn't matter what I'm in the mood to do. It does like literally all I have to do is walk. And the more I walk mm-hmm. today, like the sooner that I'm going to get there basically. The and then I came home and
1: it was
0: being done. But then I came home. I feel like something that something strange that you and I very much have in common is like, like a general, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Not like inability to deal with the things, but like like we just like go to the post office or do like oh, well, yeah. how is there always dishes to Those do things. or just like the things, right? Mm-hmm. And so then <laughs> there were no things basically on the hike, no. and then I came home and I found like real life very
1: overwhelming. So I feel like for See? you going from work to it's like there's something similar there. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I've always known. Like I read Carrot's book when you recommended it to me, and like. Remember the parts of the book where she would go and be, like, at, like, whatever, at some kind of rest stop or whatever, and there were all these people around her, and she couldn't deal with having all the people around her? I knew that I would have that if I was on the hike, like, to an extreme degree. Because going from being alone and knowing exactly what to, like, having to talk to people and, like, not knowing anything, (laughs) that would be super overwhelming for me. Um, I mean, it was. I remember when I was in, when I got to Crater Lake,
0: that was my, like, first big resupply like I had done a little resupply but so I got there excuse me and there were a ton of hikers there and I felt also the kind of like imposter syndrome of these people have all been doing this for so many months so they know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and so but like I got there and I literally didn't like I couldn't decide what to do yeah like do I do laundry but I have to wash everything that I'm wearing and I have nothing to wear while that's happening so like Am I just gonna like sit in my raincoat and like no bottoms? That's not an option. Do I get my resupply? Do I eat? Do I shower? Do I just like lay on the ground? And there's so many people, half of them hikers, and then half of them really clean, like fancy tourists. And it was just, it was exactly what Kara describes in her book, where I just like I literally sat down at a picnic table. And, like, I went into the little general store, and I bought, like, a sleeve of saltine crackers and a bottle of apple juice, and I just, like, sat in the corner, like a hermit, and just, like, ate ate all the crackers until they were gone, and was like, okay, this is the only thing I can manage to do,
1: so. I mean, and honestly, I find that kind of, like, frantic, too many things to do, don't know what to start with thing that happens to me at least twice a week, just in general, real life, like, Um, like for example, I'll wake up on a Saturday morning and I'll have no plans. And all of a sudden that's too many plans because you can literally do whatever you want. Like, am I going to do my laundry? Am I going to go running? Like I want to wash my sheets. Like maybe I can make some food for the week. Like it's too many. And then I don't know where to start. And, and also, (laughs) but all the
0: things need to get done, but you're never going to get all the things done. I mean, this is, I feel like this is, you and I have talked about this for the last like eight years that, coming to terms with that, like, I don't know, productivity advice, or it's not the right word, but that not like the advice not to get stressed out, because like, there's always going to be more things to do than time to do it. And Like intellectually, I know that that's true. But yet somehow still, like, again, every Saturday, I'm like, well, do I do the errands? Or do I prep the food? Or do like, there's so many, like, there's so many things to do. Yeah. There
1: are so many things to do. So many things. Do. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't have a good solution for that.
0: I mean, there isn't one, basically. Not, and then I feel bad about, like, oh, these are my first world problems. Um, so, okay, so you take this time off in between, have no purpose, mm-hmm. work out in the middle of the day, it's yeah, weird. it's weird. Move to Portland. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel when you first got there? Like, what was your first week like?
1: Um, well, I I don't know if this was the smartest, most advisable thing, but it worked out really well for me was I got – to portland on a friday and i started work on monday so um i had a friend with me who drove up from la so i wasn't by myself all weekend so like we kind of got there and like looked up some things on yelp and it was really hot that weekend it was august in portland so it was like 90 to 100 degrees and we found a place with air conditioning like a coffee shop with air conditioning where we could like sit for a while and just like catch up on the world um and then like You know, did some sort of, like, new apartment stuff. Like, my stuff came with movers, so everything that I had was stuff that I could fit in my car, but I didn't have the thing, like, some dish soap or, like, dishes. (laughs) anything like that. So we went to, like, Target and did those kind of, like, moving-in errands. And then on Monday morning, like, I walked to work, and that was basically the thing that got me settled, was, like, kind of having the going to be here from 9 to 6-ish, meeting some people, making new friends, like, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and had I had the ground running, I don't think I would have done super well because again, like I already knew at that point that I wasn't enjoying having all of my time free for myself. So I don't think I would have done super well if I had like taken a week to try to quote unquote figure out Portland in my abundant free time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, there definitely is a downside to having too much free time, mm-hmm. for sure. especially if you're someone who gets stuck in the like uh, downward spiraling mental gymnastics of your own brain, like, mm-hmm. it's too much time yeah so did you feel when you got there like it was some kind of starting over or like what was your energy around the change
1: um I was exciting it was definitely exciting um I moved to Portland knowing like four-ish people from the internet who some of whom I had met in person and some of whom I hadn't but who I you know had communication with online and didn't feel like they were strangers and Um, the best thing about that is that you don't feel like you're like, everyone knows that you're new and that you don't know anybody. So like, there's no judgment for you being like, Hey, like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Like, where can I go do this? Or like, do you have like an hour and we can just like grab some coffee so that I can like see a person today who's not like the coffee person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so there, it was definitely exciting in that way. Um, and then also just like, the most exciting thing is like this unlimited amount of potential of like being in a new place. So it's like, it's still a city. So obviously it still has like all the things that I wanted to have, like a Trader Joe's and a bookstore and like coffee shops and that kind of thing. But like all of a sudden I can, they're new and they're different. Like I went to the, Oh my God. (laughs) The first time I went to Trader Joe's in Portland, (laughs) um, So if you've ever been to Trader Joe's in LA, like, you know that like, A, the parking lot is a total shit show. Like there's no parking and people are like sitting around waiting for parking spaces to open up and everybody's in everybody's way. Um, But when you go to Portland, there's parking everywhere. So you just pull into the gigantic Trader Joe's parking lot and you find a parking space and you park your car and then you go into Trader Joe's and all of a sudden the aisles are so wide. It's like being at Costco. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody's squeezing by anybody. And it was, it was so nice. It was just easier. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, being here is just easier. That's how I feel about Mm -hmm. Ben versus LA.
0: I mean, obviously I was definitely didn't live in LA for as long as you did, but was so ready to leave. Yeah. And I don't know, but I mean, obviously our moving situations and like reasons behind it were, I think somewhat different and somewhat the same. And I knew fewer people here than Mm -hmm. you did or do in Portland. I feel like something that got me, I don't know, like I tend to have, I've moved around a ton, basically. I mean, this is what the 21st or 22nd house or apartment that I've lived in, which Mm -hmm. like that's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And so that to me was familiar, like moving around a lot and like starting over when you don't like something, like just change. Like when you said before that it never really occurred to you, oh, I'm a grown up and I can actually make this change. I feel like for me, it was the exact opposite that I'm like, oh, well, okay, time to leave, you know? Mm -hmm. And so moving to a place and being settled feels strange or like oh, felt yeah. strange at okay. the beginning but it was almost like I think it's really easy the reason that I moved around so much I mean not as a child I would say I couldn't control that but was because I had this like perpetual fantasy that it was gonna be better somewhere else and okay. that like it's gonna be starting over and like of course it is in certain ways like you said there's new energy around stuff and then sometimes that can be really important but also as the saying goes like wherever you go there right. you are and, like you're still I'm not all this I think that I fell into the trap a lot especially in my 20s of thinking that I was going to move to this new place and be a totally different person and then would wind up being really frustrated when I'm like oh actually all my things like all my little
1: issues are still my issues you know Mm -hmm. so yeah when you first moved into this place here in Ben like what what did you do first like because you you own your home so it's a whole other weird thing right in theory you're gonna live here for a lot longer than you've lived anywhere else before so like how did that feel like what was it like walking in here
0: um I mean the move the move to bend was I think not out of character for people who know me well of mm-hmm. like making s- s- huge life decisions with seemingly a lot of spontaneity mm-hmm. like we you know we we I had never heard of bend until um, getting involved with Wazell for running and Lauren Flushman, mm-hmm. who her and her family live here. She obviously runs for them and is really involved with them. And she would post these pictures of like these runs, they would go on and bend and like, it would just look like this magical, I mean, I've only ever lived in really big cities, right? Like LA in yeah. Manhattan lived in London, San Francisco. So I had no, like the nature was not a thing that I had any experience with. And it just looked like this like fantasy land where there was no traffic, which was my biggest <laughs> techie about LA was how much traffic there was. And so it became a joke with Paul and I that we would be stuck in traffic in LA and we would be like, well, it's probably not like this in Bend. (laughs) Neither of us had ever been to Bend. And we were like, maybe we should go because we knew we didn't want to stay in LA forever. I moved there in a previous relationship. I I moved there for someone else and Paul moved there for me. So neither of us chose to live in LA. I mean, it was awesome to live across the hall from you. That was basically the best part of living in LA. Um, And so when we came here to visit... Um, we had set up a, you know, you know, that's a bunch of appointments with a realtor, with a realtor to like, look at a bunch of houses. We got here on a Thursday afternoon, looked at five houses the next morning and bought one. Mm-hmm. So and people were like, what? I called my mom. She's like, what's been? where are you? moving? <laughs> what happened to you? Right. But like, and I had never lived in a house that my family owned when you live in really big cities, unless you have all the gratuitous money. Yeah. I'm like who owns a house in Manhattan? Right. The people with the gratuitous money. Yeah. Right. So like, I had always ever lived in apartments. It was never part of my like American dream. I didn't value like Property ownership as any kind of it didn't mean anything to me. Like it's not like well you get married and you have kids and you own a house, Mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, I did want to get married, but I didn't have any feelings about the homeownership. And Paul's basically the opposite Mm -hmm. because he grew up in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota, lived in the house that his family owned for basically his entire life until he went to college. Right? It's like we have such different upbringings, so I think he always assumed. Well, of course, I'm going to own a house. Yeah, right, and do this. So, like, we had a lot of kind of compromising to do in terms of, like, there's a lot of ways we're similar, but there's a lot of ways we're really different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so. When, when we bought this house, like, I was definitely excited about it. But this is like a very long answer to your original question. But getting here, like, it was really exciting because I was happy to be leaving LA, and it was nice to be going somewhere new and to have this adventure with Paul. But then I got here, and for the first, probably the first like six months, I felt really. Guilty, or I don't know if oh. guilty is the right word, that like because I had never valued like really stability, financial stability, or like I made my own money and did all that stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't important to me. I never had a traditional job. I mean, you know, right. I graduated college and then had, I've never had a, I go into an office from, eight to six and work Mm -hmm. for somebody else. I've never done that because I chose other things Yeah, and Paul was the exact opposite. And he really values the like stability and like, here's my savings and I want to buy this house and do, which is awesome. And I'm glad we could do that, but it wouldn't have been the path I chose on my own. Yeah. Like had he and I not gotten married, I would have not been trying to save for and buy a house. So it kind of felt almost that phrase again, imposter syndrome, like living here in this, like to me, which seems like a huge house because I've lived in like tiny shoebox apartments in Manhattan. Right. And knowing that that wouldn't have happened on my own. So I kind of felt like, is this my house? Is that like, and I don't feel like that it was, it was, I think it was a good situation because it allowed us to work through a lot of stuff and allowed me to work through a lot of like money stuff. And what does money mean in a marriage? And Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. But I, as much as I was happy to move to Bend and to try something different, I mean, I would have been happy, like living in my car and traveling around the country, which like that's like Paul's definition of like the inner circle of hell. (laughs) Right. So like the, comp- the biggest compromise in our yeah. relationship is I want to go everywhere and do all the things. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be home with the cats, which also I do too. But like, so it's kind of like a, yeah. so when we got here, it was just that I felt like I could have never afforded this on my own. But
2: right, then also but then wouldn't I wouldn't have chosen. You.
0: Well, yeah. that's what happened. We Essentially. I had a lot of conversations like with my mom and with him. It was kind of like, okay, well, these were his choices. So it makes sense that he supplied more of the financing for his choices, mm-hmm. and uh, the compromise is that like I am doing this choice with him, and of course it benefits me too. But so that's how I felt when I first got here.
1: Well, the thing about partnerships is that like they're not always equal, but they are generally hopefully fair.
0: Well, but I mean, yeah, that
1: <laughs> things don't have to be equal in order to be fair. Yeah,
0: and. That, like, within a I mean, any kind of relationship. It doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. That, like, the only two people that have to understand and be happy with, like, the workings of the relationship are the people that are in the relationship. Mm -hmm. But I think we do – I mean, you and I were watching an episode of Friends last night and talking about, like, I don't know. It was a very, like, gendered – like, women do this. Men do that from, like, whatever, the mid-90s or early 90s. And, like, how much of that stuff has stuck with us. Like, I definitely had that whole, ooh, like, my – husband is paying for more things than me Mm -hmm. what does that mean about me as a woman or as it you know and you go down that rabbit hole so i don't know yeah crazy 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 stuff
1: yeah i mean i certainly like i have basically with the exception of before i moved here like i've worked you know i've always had a job since i was like 17 years old at least one job um and like not to say that i wasn't like trying to save money because like i was but at the same time, like, I didn't know what for. Like, (laughs) like, again, same as you, like, buying a home is not super important to me. Like, it's not a thing that I value. Like, they're just places to live. And I guess at some point, like, if you're going to live there long enough, it makes more sense to buy one than to rent one. That's what they say. Right. (laughs) Whoever they are. Right. Depending on what city you're in, I guess the math, some math people were like, (laughs) do it this way. Um, but like, that was never a goal of mine. And I always just assumed that like, at some point I would like partner up with somebody and then our finances would be together. And I wanted to be able to contribute to that, which is why I was saving. But like, again, I don't know what I was contributing for because it's not like I was like, Oh, we're going to, I'm going to meet someone and we're going to buy a house someday. Um, and then like, here I am now. And like, I've again been working almost nonstop since I was 17 and I'm 33 now. So that's like a lot of working and a lot of money that I've earned and a lot of money that I've blown. <laughs> and a lot of money that we had to pay for our student loans. Yeah.
0: I um, would have so much more money if I did not have had student loans. Anyway, I know.
1: Good but, like, I'm, I'm single, and, like, I don't have a partner, and it's all my money, and I get to do whatever I want with it. But, like, at the same time, like, there's still a part of me that's just, like, oh, like, doing this on your own is hard. Like, it, that's, that's just fact. Like, a, a, if I was, like, sharing my apartment with someone, like, A, it would be, like, a lot less space, but it would also be half of the rent, mm-hmm. which is an insane amount of savings every month. Um, and then also maybe that person would like, I don't know, go to the post office. <laughs> Sometimes. Listen, I feel like <laughs> the best partnership is if
0: the thing that you, the, or the thing that you irrationally hate the most, if they don't mind doing yeah, like <laughs> it's, yeah, that's, it's, it's so funny. This is an interesting topic that we can dig into. Like what people look for in a partner or like how you make, how you make these kinds of like mm-hmm. compromises and decisions, because like even, obviously we just like lightly talked on money and partnerships, that it's probably like one of the stickiest issues, oh, right? Because of how each individual person has their own relationship with money and self-worth mm-hmm. and then you like pair up two people's issues with that and then it's like this whole...
1: Yeah, but, and then that's not even just money, that's like your individual family situations or your your friends or, you know, you want to live in a car and Paul wants to have a house, <laughs> Right, I mean, and All here's the thing, things. I probably don't actually want to live in a car like that because <laughs> I'm like
0: you, I also like routine, so mm-hmm. I think some of this is just fantasy. I mean, in that regard, we're a really good partnership because he brings me, not down in like a, he brings me to like a more stable place, mm-hmm. and I feel like I bring him to a little bit more of like an adventurous place, Yeah, but, I mean, that's partnership, but yeah, yeah, compromises, mm-hmm. and no, the money says, so, okay, so what do you feel like you're looking for in a partner?
1: Um... See, that's a hard question uh, because I think that kind of the way – dating is different. Like, dating versus looking for a partner is not the same thing, right? What do you mean? I mean, I think that, like, a lot of deciding to go on a date with somebody, like, if you meet somebody out, like, you're, like – or, you know, like, they work with you or you meet them online or whatever – The things that you're looking at evaluating them for in that first initial meeting are not the same things that you're thinking about when you're thinking of a partner long term you know it's like if you meet somebody like really quickly it's like are they funny like do we have a good conversation am I attracted to them that kind of thing but like long term what you really want is somebody who is a a, like a good match for you in terms of like someone who's gonna go
0: to the post office for you
1: yeah we have similar values and also you will like you know take the garbage out (laughs) I don't know the things that I don't want to (laughs) do you do them. (laughs)
0: yeah it's well and I feel like those types of things you couldn't evaluate straight off the bat you because you have that's to that's
1: the thing that's where it gets tricky
0: okay so here's what yeah. I want to talk about because as much as I just said one of the things the fun like the small things I think we have in common is like, that we just like hate doing like the miscellaneous <laughs> life things that like give us a lot of stress one of the ways that I think that we're a lot different not necessarily in terms of personality but in terms of experience is I've never actually dated which right. is a really weird, like if I look back on my, because we're basically the same age, right? Mm-hmm. And I look back on my relationship history, it was all like high school, college, after college, it was like friend of a friend or like you're in the same group and like some random hookup turns into two hookups, which turns into a relationship, right? <laughs> or like, like there was the only actual date that I've ever been on. It's like such a weird thing. Just that people are, it's so weird. Um. <laughs> was with my ex, Kelsey, Mm -hmm. that we met drunk at a club. So, like, already, how much does this count? Drunk at a club, you know, met, had a good time that Mm -hmm. night, and he asked for my number and then took me out on a date. And so, Mm -hmm. like, we went on, like, what was the first date that then turned into a a three-and-a-half-year relationship, right? And, like, now (laughs) Paul, he and I met you know, whatever, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. essentially through a friend. And it was the yeah. same thing, like hookup that turned, well, that turned into a relationship that turned into four years apart that turned yeah. into then getting married. But I've never, like when you mentioned like bump, like the I've never used a dating app. I've right. never done online dating. Like it's yeah. so somehow my just like timeline missed, like I would have done it if I would have been single during those times, but you have For so sure. much. So basically tell me all the things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, one of the things again that you and I have in common is that like we met online and we made a lot of our friends online. So I have no like qualms or fear or whatever about online dating. Like it's just, it just is what it is and it's not scary. And, um, it's just not weird, but there are definitely a lot of people who at least like, I don't know, like three years ago who thought it was super strange to meet people online. And like, that was like, if this was before dating apps became a thing, obviously. So, um, like it was a different, you I feel like the people that you were meeting on, like, things like okay Keep it or Match.com, which I've never done, but, like, those are not the same people who you would go out to a bar and meet. But, essentially, okay Keep it is, like, a giant bar on the internet <laughs> where everyone is wearing a t-shirt that tells you all the things about them. <laughs> or all the things that they want you to think about exactly. them. Exactly. Um, and that's another thing is I feel like dating apps, the more you write about yourself on a dating app, which, like, is not so much the case on things like Tinder and Mobile, where they, like, the, I think the character limit is, like, three or 400 characters or something like that, and you can't really tell it that much about yourself in three or 400 characters and six photos. But, like, when you get to write a whole profile, that's not fair. Like, <laughs> that's skewed to people who, like, are good writers or are good marketers or have a history in advertising. <laughs> it's, it's, like, really... Because like ultimately, the thing that I'm looking for, the most important thing I think for me is someone who has like some semblance of intelligence and like is able to carry on a good conversation and who can write in full sentences. Because sadly, like a lot of communication now is written, like it's like text messages and that kind of thing. And I want somebody who's like using the word "you" instead of the letter "you," which is like such a minor like it doesn't mean. But it's it's not a minor thing. (laughs) I sidebar. Met a new friend at
0: school, and like obviously, like now that I've gone back to school, basically I'm the old one, and everyone's like a fetus, and yeah. all like 18, or whatever, and they're like super nice. But I had an exchange, like a, an email exchange, with someone who did that. It was like used the letter U, and, so, and I was like, oh, "This friendship can I mean, of course, the friendship can progress. Like I sound like an asshole, but it was crazy how much of an immediate thing for me that I'm like, "Oh, we are not the same." I
1: know. Like, just all use right. the extra two letters. It's two letters. Is that one of your big pet peeves? I don't... I To me, it's just, like, a sign of... Because, like, the people who I do know and love are people who use the word you instead of the letter you. You know what I mean? And I don't know what it is that we all have in common that, like, written communication is something that's super important to us for whatever reason. Because we grew up on the internet, probably. Probably. Um,
0: we grew up on the internet, but not the, like, oh, the internet Right, yeah. yeah. We grew up on, like... <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So... Uh, So
0: you said, I think you said, okay, keep it a match.com that you've never done those. I've never done match.com.
1: Um, I've only, I've never paid to online date, which like is totally arbitrary. And it's not something that I wouldn't pay for if it was something that I was willing and capable of, like, spending a lot of time doing, which I think is a totally valid, like, perspective. A lot of people are, like, if you're going to meet somebody online, like, you need to treat it like it's a job and, like, systemize and, like, do that whole thing. And, like, that makes perfect sense to me, but it's not something that I have the patience for. Like, I barely have the patience to, like, talk to people on, you know, bumble. Like, that's text messaging. Do you think
0: (laughs) that that would change if your desire to, like, actually be like, okay, I want to find a partner? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, what's it like like using a dating app? Do you have any good like stories or I don't know, like I've never done, I don't even know how they work. Like, yeah, I understand there's like some swiping, (laughs) but like Um, what happens?
1: So basically what happens is, uh, so I think they're all basically synced to your Facebook profile. Um, so that's how they verify that you're a real person is if you're a person with a Facebook profile, then obviously you're real. So. Right, clearly. <laughs> so like pull down some photos, which you can obviously change. Oh my God. I remember I was like sitting with someone when she, she was setting someone who we both know. And I'll tell you later <laughs> 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 when she was like setting up her, um, I think it was her bumble profile and like it automatically selected her, like taught her first five um, Facebook photos. And she was like, these aren't the ones that I want to date with.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I remember us having the conversation of, well, if you're a dude, like you have to have like the picture where like you're holding a dog or like you and a puppy or you without your shirt or like, do you think there is a formula? I do. Okay. So what's your, how did you decide what's on your current? Like, whatever app you're using. Well, I
1: think that, like, in all fairness, everyone needs to see your face. So, there are a lot of photos. Like, I don't have a lot of photos of myself. Um, so, a lot of them are from, like, Outdoor Adventures where I'm wearing a hat and sunglasses and you can't see anything that's happening here. And I don't think that that's fair. So, like, something where you can see your face. <laughs> is significantly important. Okay, so rules have had a set of dating (laughs) profiles. Rules by dry out. One, you have to be able to see your face. Yeah, in at least one to two photos, you have to be able to see your face. And if you're choosing group photos, you have to be distinctive enough in the group photo that, like, I can match it to your face. So, like, there's a picture of your face, and then the next one will be a group, and I can pick you out of the group, essentially. Um, Because I've seen profiles where, like, you're going through and it's, like, group photo after group photo after group photo, and I can't tell which... Like, from photo to photo, I can't tell which person it is anymore. (laughs) Um, And then something where you can see, like, I don't know, at least, like, two-thirds of your body, I think, is important. Um, Just just in all fairness, you know, because that's, like, if you're meeting somebody out in the world, that's what you would see as well. Like, just to get a clear picture of what they look like. And then if you have photos of things that, like, kind of indicate what's important to you. So if it's like you and you're like, if you have kids, like with your kids or like your nieces or nephews or your dogs, if they're important, or like if you're into a sport, you either playing the sport or at watching the sport, something like that, like something that would indicate your hobby. And then the other really important thing, I think, for men and women, regardless of what you're doing, is to like have actual words in your profile, and you would be shocked at how often this doesn't happen. What do you mean? The, 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 they're just blank. Like, there's no words. <laughs> like there's just pictures and no words? There's just pictures and your name and age, and there's no words. There's no anything, which doesn't give me anything to react to, which makes it really awkward if, if I'm trying to message you. I can't just because be like, then the oh, only like message... Exactly. <laughs> yes. Then the only thing you can be like, oh, like, like,
0: maybe you're attractive enough to sleep with. Right. <laughs>
1: which, like, is implied, and I just don't feel like that needs to be said. Right. You have to give
0: me something else to work on. Yeah.
1: Of. Mm-hmm. So... How do you
0: decide which – how do you personally decide, like, which words to Like, what do you include? Because I imagine – okay, another sidebar. Mm -hmm. I remember when I I got Facebook – it's funny, I have since deactivated Facebook, but I got Facebook – My freshman year in college, because NYU was one of the first non-IV schools to get it right. So I had Facebook when it was basically just you get one picture and everyone did their list of like, these are things I like, these are things I dislike, you know, whatever. And I read a study, I think it was eight months after that, that said, I don't know how they track their whatever data, but they do. That like far and away like the most frequently visited page is like someone's own profile. Like that we're so concerned Mm -hmm. with like how we're appearing to somebody else. What
1: a cool study, right? (laughs) I
0: I should probably try to find this. This is so long. This is what like two thousand four, and that it was just like more than looking at their friends or interacting with like their friends. That was when you could like write on someone's wall or whatever. That like you're constantly, and I feel like that's the same with like. Instagram bios or any of those that's things. That's completely
1: true. Or like Googling yourself. Do you remember like Aziz Ansari told that joke about how like he was like playing with his phone on the car and that's how he died was Googling. Himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that. So I feel like the, I don't know if benefits the right word, but like the thing that I'm glad about, about like, I think I, I missed out on some experiences, like not doing the online dating thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like I would have gone way too far down the like self-conscious egoy rabbit hole of like well how am I appearing and like what does this say about me and what I don't know like there's a lot of second guessing so I'm curious what that's like well yeah I mean
1: like I said it's really a marketing document right (laughs) um it's like these are pictures of me looking as good as I can possibly look in a photo right (laughs) and then also doing something that looks fun that maybe you want to participate in too (laughs) And then a couple words about things that I like and dislike so that like we can, you can open a conversation and say like, Hey, what's your favorite coffee shop in town or something like that? If I say that I'm into coffee, you know, or books, books is a great one. Actually. Like if you say that you're an avid reader, then like that is always a really easy way to start a conversation. And then like, you know, for better or for worse, at least you've gotten like a book recommendation out of it. Right. (laughs) Right, At least you've gotten a book recommendation out of it. So
0: what, what's my question? Based on your online dating profile, like, what do you think people assume about you? Like someone who doesn't know you at all that just sees that, like, what, how do you think? Oh, like if someone was like, I'm going out with this woman, she blah, blah, blah. That's such a good question.
1: Um, Based solely on my online dating profile.
0: Or rather, like another arm of that question what do you want them, like, what are you, what would you want them to say? Like, what's your kind of angle?
1: Well, my angle is obviously my goal. <laughs> like the angle is to attract the person who I would be attracted to. Yeah. Right. And like, hopefully there's some kind of alignment there between the person who I am and the person who I'm attracted to. So like what I'm looking for is someone who's like, like I said, smart and has a, it's funny and has a good sense of humor and like wants to do like outdoorsy fun things with me. So like, and that's what I'm trying to like put forth in my online dating profile is that like I you know I read a lot and I hike a lot and sometimes I'm I can be funny from time to time and then like I think that the easiest thing for me at least because I'm new in town is that I can be like oh I'm in Portland and I'm trying to figure things out or trying to like figure out where the best this that or the other thing is
0: and then it gives someone a thing to a place to step in and be like I can show you exactly. this thing yeah mm-hmm. I feel like so again, the time. I think the timeline is interesting. Like, I feel like my experience. Let's say, if I like had to be online dating right now, mm-hmm. would be from a much better emotional place than like if I was doing this when I was like twenty two or twenty three. Because I feel like so much of it then would be that egoy. Like, I want to come off the best as possible, so everyone wants to date me. Like, I'm trying to put myself back in my like mind spit. Whereas, like the actual truth is, just because someone wants to date, you doesn't mean you want to date them. so like right. your approach of like being honest with yourself about who am I actually trying to attract mm-hmm. and putting out the things that are gonna be like that are gonna correspond with that as opposed right. to just trying to seem just to
1: seem like broadly attractive
0: right, right because that's I mean how much time do, it's a waste of time Then you got to date all the wrong people
1: that sounds terrible, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. like I think that there are definitely um I mean. If you wanted to, like, have a Tinder account just for validation, like, totally easy to do. Like, you could absolutely do that. But if you're looking to actually meet people who, like, might be interesting to you, then I feel like you probably put a little bit of a different kind of effort into it.
0: Have you ever met someone through any of these apps that turned into a relationship?
1: Um, It depends. Define relationships. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's your, it's your, this is your question, so that you think of as... That it turned into something.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I would definitely say that, like, in some some semblance of a relationship, for sure has come out of the apps.
0: Do you have any situations where, like, if I had to write my like top two horror stories of online dating? Oh, what's your? Oh my god, this one time, this crazy thing happened.
1: Well, so there was this one time. Um, I met a guy on OkCupid, okay and we were like supposed to like have drinks or coffee or something like that. Um. I can't remember what it was. Oh, so, okay, background. I hate talking on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> she, she does, in fact. She I really, I feel awkward about it and I don't enjoy doing it, so. I think she, we've talked I, on the phone twice.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think once was when I was supposed to go visit you a couple of weeks ago and, like, some last-minute thing happened at school oh, where yeah. I couldn't come. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other time was when I was about to move to L.A. and I was leaving San Francisco to come down and look at apartments. And you texted me that the apartment across the hall from you was available and I called you immediately and was like, what? Question mark. So that's really in our however long friendship, the only two times we've talked on the phone. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: so. Like, those are probably the two highlights for me too. Okay. Um, I'm just like, I I get really distracted on the phone because like I'm looking at things that aren't the person who I'm talking to and then I'm just like not that into it. So I don't love talking on the phone and then I met a person on OkCupid who uh, didn't Like refused to text essentially. And so he was like, I'll call you and let you know when I'm on my way to the thing. And I was like, Okay, that's fine. (laughs) In your head, you're like, No. I know. And um and because you know, humor, like dark humor is funny for everybody, I tweeted something about that. I was like, This is never gonna work out. I remember this. I remember this. (laughs) Yeah, so I tweeted that and then apparently like I you know, you can Google people. (laughs) And so this person
0: Do you have your full name on your
1: No. No, I don't know. This was, like, three years ago. So I don't know exactly how he came across this information, but he he ended up Googling me and seeing that tweet and was, like, took it kind of personally and canceled on me last minute. And, like, it was, it was a lot. And I ended up um, kind of giving him, like, a little bit of a lecture because, like, I, like, I have had Twitter, like, since Twitter was born. And I've been on the internet forever. And I know for a fact that, like, who people are on the internet is not the same as who they are in person. And, like, that's just it's not a fair way to judge somebody and I wasn't like it's not that I was like sad to not be going on a first date with a stranger it's just that I was like offended that you know two hours before we were supposed to be somewhere like this guy played out on me so I called him out on that and like he ended up like profusely apologizing and like trying to get me to like have coffee with him again like blah 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 and so like I did <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> so I did I did end up having coffee with him, and it was just, like, not... It wasn't fun. It wasn't a good situation. I was just, like, annoyed,
0: though. <laughs> well, I mean, someone who's not going to get your, like, kind of snarky sense of humor via Twitter is not going to be a good match for right, you. Right, and also,
1: he wanted to talk on the phone,
0: guys. Right. So... <laughs>
1: so so that that no work that no work (laughs) yeah
0: um this is why we had to wait to record the podcast until we could do it in person because you don't want to do things on the phone um i'm the opposite i'm an enormous phone person are you um, really so much
1: oh i didn't know that um how much like i mean
0: i recorded two-hour podcast over skype like what do you think that's
1: different that's like i'll talk on the phone for work
0: (laughs) (laughs) right that's good i'm glad you won't shirk your
1: (laughs) And I like will Skype with some of my long distance friends sometimes on occasion. I way prefer the phone to Skype. Really? For catching up.
0: I'll Why do is that. Um because I don't I only enjoy talking on the phone if I'm in motion. So if I'm in the car or if I'm on a walk or like I like it as an addendum to like <laughs> it's funny, so my Jamie, who's been on the show, mm-hmm. our mutual friend. Um She's probably the person I talked to on the phone the most because she yeah. also was a phone person. Yeah. And it's always like, okay, I'm going on my walk at 10 a.m. Like, are you free then? So, and like for both of us said, so like, that's, I don't want to just sit on the couch and talk oh. on the phone. Okay. Because um, then like you, I think I get distracted or I get antsy yeah. or, and so Skype you had like really the only person that I ever Skype with is Liz who also has been on the show mm-hmm. because she lives in Germany. Right. So right. Like that's, And like that's, and that's super fun. And that's basically like my one exception. And like, I'm excited to use Skype for her. But well, I that,
1: like, I've definitely FaceTime with Jamie before and like with some of my other friends in LA since moving here. And the time now that I'm thinking about it, that I prefer to do it is when I'm cooking dinner. Yeah. And I'll just like put the computer like on the counter somewhere and where they can see that I'm chopping vegetables. And like Jamie was also cooking dinner at the same time.
0: Yeah. I I feel like I tend to not like the video based, like, even though obviously it's awesome to be able to see someone, I feel like it's a lot, or maybe I'm just making stuff in my head. It's more demanding because I have to be there and be Mm -hmm. present. Whereas, like, I could talk on the phone while cooking dinner, but it's almost like I would feel rude. Like, okay, I'm not looking at them. I'm not making eye contact, like, unless that's what you're both doing, obviously. But the nice thing about being on the phone is... I don't know, you can just, it's, it's funny, I, obviously, I love recording the podcast in person, and of course, it's not always possible, but the thing that I do like a lot about Skype, especially because we don't do video to make the connection stronger, mm-hmm. is, like, I can take notes, I can close my eyes and really listen, like, mm-hmm. I can, like, if you're talking to someone, like, if right now, I'm just, like, looking around and not making eye contact with you, it would be weird. Yeah. Like, you would be like, why aren't you looking at me? But if right. we're on Skype, that kind of is removed, and then people can... Like yeah. Do their socially awkward whatever they want to do, like be in their pajamas and like. Knock. I wonder
1: what people do when they're recording the podcast. Like, what are you doing over there? I should, I should ask. Right?
0: So, like <laughs> yeah. behind the behind what are the you scenes, yeah. yeah. What are you wearing? Like, tell me all your weird habits. That's like for me. So when we came in here to record, I closed the blinds. Like I'm too distractible. So like if the blinds oh, are open nice. and like dogs or people are walking by, all of a sudden I'm like, what's going on outside? what's yeah. Anyway, how did we get here on this I topic? Remember. Uh, online dating. Oh, dating. oh this oh, guy. Cause okay. On the phone. Cause, yeah, because <laughs> he wanted to talk on the phone. Okay, he's out. Any others? Any other good online dating snafu stories? Um,
1: oh, so this is actually another really good one. And I ended up dating this person for a little while. And he's like a very lovely person. And we're still friends. um I went on a date with this guy who uh basically his full name was on the website. um Like he had linked to his. Um, Website or whatever. And it was his first name dot last name dot com. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, um, and so I had his full name and I ended up giving him my email address so we could like communicate off of Okay OKCupid, which is where we met. So he had my full name as well. And like my full name is like very distinctive. And you, if you Google me, there are two of me out there. Are um, there? Yeah. Who's the other one? She's like this like Spanish actress who... Like, is often not wearing clothing. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know. And I get her emails sometimes too, and they're always in Spanish, and I, can't, I don't understand them. That <laughs> well, that's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he Googled it, realized. Yeah, so he Googled me and ended up reading a lot of, like, this was three years ago, so, like, a lot of, like, bachelor recaps and things that I have written and those sorts of things. And so we went on our first date and we went to the corner door. Um, which is a place that I could, this was like the first and only date that I had ever gone on there because after that I made friends with everybody at that bar. Like I couldn't bring dates anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we went to the corridor door in LA and like we had grilled cheese sandwiches and like a round of drinks. And he ended up telling me that like he had Googled me and had read a lot of the stuff that I had written and that I was a really good writer, and I said, oh, thanks, and that would have been, like, a great opportunity for me to say, I also called you and read all the things that you wrote, and I think you're a fantastic writer as well, but I didn't say that. Why? (laughs) I don't know. It just felt, like, too much. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. It was, it, like, that was dumb. Like, I could have said that, and I probably should have, because, like, that's what happened, and, like, it wasn't weird for him to tell me that, but for some reason, it felt really weird to say that, um everybody Googles everybody before they go out. If you meet online, like everybody Googles everybody before they go out. Like I've seen just last week, I saw a guy like view my LinkedIn and I was like, that's not how you're going to find out. (laughs) Yeah. I've literally never been in that situation. Yeah. Like I've never had. Yeah. So like, it's not weird. Everybody does it, but it's weird to talk about. And I I mean, I was certainly flattered and it was like a nice compliment, but like I wasn't about to repay it even though it
0: was true (laughs) yeah I mean it's funny so not I mean you mentioned that you and I met online not in the dating context I've met so many people like so many platonic Mm -hmm. friends through what essentially is online dating like on friendship online dating like through social media or through I mean obviously you and I both used to blog that's how we first met Mm -hmm. I mean you were one of the first people that I met through Mm -hmm. my blog in what like the end of 2007 yeah me too and at this point I mean I have a couple of good friends that I met not through the internet, but basically not. Basically everyone who's really important to me, we somehow met online. But it wasn't the kind of thing where you had to Google them because we met through the same medium. Either like we were reading each other's blogs. So obviously, so what am I going to Google? Like I already know what you're up to, right? Right. Like doing that um, thing. I mean, I guess I have hooked up with or dated in the past, like people who I wouldn't have known without my blog. So I guess in theory it's like some weird, it's not actual internet right. dating, meaning we met on a thing like, okay, Qubit, where we have profiles.
1: Yeah. But like someone emailed me based on, but it is different though, because again, like the thing with online dating is that like, it's expressly for the purpose of exactly like, yeah.
0: Well, but also the thing that I always found interesting, both in a dating context and in it, like the, the, the friend context for you and I, I felt like was equal because we, had both had blogs and so we both had put ourselves out there and Mm -hmm. then we met in person and we knew at that point like relatively an equal amount about Mm -hmm. each other but my era of like reading other people's blogs to make friends like has definitely passed right so like now most of the things that I do on the internet it's like sharing of content and not as much consuming or socializing just Mm -hmm. you know things evolve and now if I meet someone who listens to the podcast or like oh I read your blog for eight years or whatever it's always such a strange like they know so much about you and yeah. you know nothing about them. Yeah,
1: it is very strange. No. So like in that
0: regard, of course you have to google each other for dating because <laughs> like <laughs> Oh man, that's I remember something, this was years ago. I don't remember which of our mutual friends or acquaintances it was, but there was someone who was doing a bunch of online dating with and like with not great dudes. Mm-hmm. And kept winding up in these situations with like dudes that like she deserved better, basically. Yeah. And I remember I really don't remember who it was. And something about like her thing was, yeah, but like he's nice and like he, whatever. And you had this like very strong, I don't know if you remember this response to be like being nice. Like is
1: that should be like the baseline of like, that's not a selling, I don't know. Will you talk more about that? Yeah, no, I still strongly feel that way. Like things like being nice or being a good person, like that's, you don't get extra credit for being a good person. Like you should just be one. (laughs) that's not enough of a reason to continue to date somebody. Yeah.
0: But it is weird sometimes how we put these like, well, but they, this, this, and because no one's perfect, obviously. But again, it's like that sweet spot between like, this is not working and I don't need to try to justify it to make it work. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, nobody's perfect for anybody. Like there are always like things that you have to sacrifice or compromise on. Um, but the basics, like respecting each other, human being kind of stuff, like that's not an area for compromise. Like I'll compromise on like he likes comic books more than he likes puppies. Like right. you know, a really specific example. <laughs> I like puppies. Like you do, um, yeah. So I mean, like things like that, like different interests, like sure, but like just general, like being good to other people and to each other, like that's the bare minimum of what you should be. Right. This is your price of
0: admission here. If you're not at least
1: that. Right. Like, and I think that if you're dating someone who isn't able to respect you for whatever reason, it's not necessarily going to be about you, but like, that's not something to, that's not sustainable. Like you shouldn't have to put up with that. Like there are a lot of people out there who will respect you. At a bare minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this brings up something interesting
0: for me. Is there, if you look back on your, dating and relationship life do you remember like a specific relationship a specific instance where like you kind of made a left turn into having this belief like where you were like okay I'm no longer gonna deal with like subpar situation like do you think you've always felt this way or was there a time where you were like I'm done with this
1: um I think that yeah I mean like I think in a sense like I've kind of always felt this way however like you know you know, I'm talking all this, like, high-level stuff, but, like, I can't act like I haven't starred in this movie before. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, We've I've We've all starred in this exactly, movie Exactly. Like, I've been in long-term relationships where I felt like I had invested so much, like, so much time or whatever into this, whatever it was, and, like, their relationship had gone off the rails for whatever reason, and I stayed in it for entirely too long. Like, multiple been times. Been there. Many times. Everybody's done it. So... I think that it's a lot easier to like decide to cut and run when you are still getting to know somebody. But like, if you're, if you've like been essentially like living with them or something like that for like whatever amount of time, like that makes it a lot more difficult. So, I mean, there's like some nuance there, but you know, if you're online dating and you've gone on two dates with somebody and they like, can't figure out how to text you back, like, just stop. Like, don't, don't text them anymore.
0: <laughs> well, the reason that I ask is because you sharing that um kind of principle of like okay bare minimum is like be a good person you know, be respectful there was a very clear turning point for me like I mm-hmm. not to say that everyone I did before that was shitty people they certainly weren't but for whatever reason either it was my behavior in the relationship it was less about them it was like I was in I was accepting situations that I should not have accepted right. either because it made my ego feel good or mm-hmm. because like any of the reasons that we are in a situation that is, that is more self-destructive than not, like we're obviously getting something from it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, the guy that I moved to San Francisco for. Yeah. Which we had met. I mean, I don't like throw this guy under the bus too much, but daddy <laughs> yeah, listens to the podcast. Um, we where had, would it be if he did? I mean, I'm hilarious. not going to name names. so like, <laughs> hello, sir. Anyway, um, this just got really weird. Uh, we met through my blog initially. So that was like one of the people that like emailed me through my blog. And, mm-hmm. you know, we like started this essentially like loose, long distance courtship. He didn't ask me to move to San Francisco, but I was at a period of time in my life where I really didn't know what else to do. And I figured, well, I like this dude. Like I might as well move to San Francisco for lack of any other options. Mm -hmm. Right. And like things have gotten slightly more serious. Like we talked all the time and like, it seemed like he was really into it and I got there and I didn't know anyone else in San Francisco. And he, I think I told like a part of this story on an earlier episode, but uh, basically three days after I moved there, he got really drunk and told me that he was secretly dating dating someone else Mm -hmm. also. And like, the kind of fallout from that in my head, well, the next day he didn't remember that we had had that conversation. I was like, are we going to talk about what you said last night or not (laughs) so much? And I had that like moment of, well, we had never like decided to be exclusive. I wasn't going to push for this. Like, I want to get a job. I want to get settled here. Like my whole life is not about this dude. Mm -hmm. You know, that would have been so easy for me to be like, sure, let's keep doing this. And like, keep and you know, but I was like, no, like I'm more invested in this than he is. And I had this like very clear, and it was such a departure. Like earlier me Mm -hmm. would have like pre-December 2009, Nicole, like would have been like, well, I can make, be like too accommodating almost. yes, Or like, what's wrong with me that I have a problem with this? Like clearly he didn't do anything wrong because we had never had a, like did you justify? Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? This is not acceptable to me. Like you had plenty of opportunities before I moved here to tell me you were seeing someone else. Mm -hmm. I'm out. And that for me, like, basically changed my entire dating life.
1: Yeah, like, that it was that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, maybe if you frame it up the right way, he didn't, quote-unquote, do anything wrong. Exactly. But, like, that doesn't, you know, excuse, like, this sort of situation that, like, you were now in. And you could have chosen to just, like, accept whatever scraps of whatever he was willing to give you and probably gone on that way for, like, too long. <laughs> I mean, definitely too long. It's
0: It's, like, that fundamental... I don't know. I feel like I have the bad tendency or like the self-destructive tendency to like need to make something 100% categorically awful in order for me to walk away from it, mm-hmm. right? Like this guy needs to be the worst in order. Like that. it's, right. it's that the, the principle that it's really, I think, easy to walk away from something terrible, but it's difficult to walk away from something that's fine or good, but not great. Like that we really have to yeah. believe in ourselves, whether it's a job or a relationship to be like, there's nothing inherently wrong. Like, It's not like you like ran over my mom with your car, but (laughs) I don't want to be with you. You know what I mean? It's like, but I think it takes like a certain level for me. I always like look at that as a proud moment of like self growth that I valued myself enough to be like, this just isn't enough for me. And that's fine. Like he didn't have to have done something wrong Mm -hmm. in order for this to no longer be enough. Does that make
1: sense? And also like, I'll just say for people who are listening, like that's not a blanket statement like that just because that's enough not enough for you at that moment doesn't mean that like at other times in your life before, or even after that, like that, that would have been enough.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's kind of that, like getting to the point of being able to be honest with yourself in real time, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't really able to do for a long time. Like I know you and I both value personal growth a lot. And Mm -hmm. that was definitely something for me being able to be honest with myself about like, this doesn't feel good. Right. And, but again, it just, it's very easy to have opinions on other people's relationships right? That like, maybe if that, if I did genuinely feel fine about that, okay, then Mm -hmm. it's my choice to be in that situation or to not be in that situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, what would you say? It doesn't have to be dating related, but was a moment that you look back on as like, yep, that was like, I took like a quantum leap in my personal growth.
1: Um, I would say in 2012, um, I, it's not like I had to set my life on fire moment, but like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> also, sometimes you got to do that. Right, right. Like it's like a lot of things, like kind of, it seemed like were not winding down, but kind of going down paths that like I was not like super interested in being a part of that. Like I could have made work like my professional, like the company that I was working for was making a lot of changes and I could have stayed and continued to work there and probably would could still be there and be successful. But like, I didn't like where, where they were going essentially. And like, I was in a relationship that was like, not, not serving me at that point. And so like between um, like the fall or the early fall of that year and the end of that year, I had quit both of those things and gotten new things. I remember that. (laughs) So many new things. And like that, I feel like it was certainly a turning point because it did feel really empowering. That was the first time that I had like, quit a job that was fine and and that offered me like a path for growth and that kind of thing and a relationship that was fine but like you know good but not great good but not great yeah and then I moved on to like other things and like the next year in my new job which I loved like it was amazing and I still had like a lot more opportunities for growth and then like I that was when I started like you know Dating outside of my comfort zone, I guess I would say. And, like, that, I think, has been, like, a really great experience also. Like, in the sense that like, you're giving me the question. Yeah, back. so question-based <laughs> of what do you mean by dating outside your comfort zone? That's interesting. Just dating people who I didn't already know in some way or another. Like, not, like, friends of friends or, like, that kind of thing. Like, just, like, meeting people out. Like, I would not, I would never have done that before. Or, like, meeting people online. Like, um, I had done it, like, in friend ways, but not in, like, explicit yeah. dating sort of ways. So, I mean... I think that, like quitting that job and like kind of changing that sort of thing, and I also like I think I like overhauled my health at the same time and like started working out more and eating healthier and doing all that stuff. Um, you know, I've read somewhere they say that like once once you kind of like buckle like if you're for example trying to save money, if you like set yourself on a budget, like that's the best time to make other changes in your life as well as well at the same time, which seems kind of overwhelming, but at the same time, like you're like developing discipline that can like cross boundaries and various parts of your life. So like, for example, like now you're on a budget and all of a sudden you're going to start training for a 5k and you should do those things at the same time because you're working on your discipline.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's like any of like the habit change based studies about that. It's, it's hard to identify one specific variable and how like is it the you know if we're looking at health things whatever like is it the exercise is it that they eat a certain way is it that that, that yeah. as studies actually show like well if you are someone who works out then you probably also like yes. all these other things yeah yeah you're doing I, all the things at I find fault with that kind of cliche advice of well don't take on too much at once even though of course it makes sense right like Mm -hmm. yes it is different you can't have like 10 priorities it's not Mm -hmm. what the word priority means but I find oftentimes if you're ready for change there is a domino thing whether it's getting out of budget for me it was quitting drinking for Mm -hmm. sure like sometimes there is a thing that once knocked down the like barriers to entry of the other changes are basically gone yeah and I mean that's even like in terms of figuring out if you're trying to decide between, I mean, we're like at end of your time, right? Like goals or changes. Something that I like to ask myself is like, which of these options or which of these things that I think are important to me, like if I were to do it would potentially unlock the most other things, mm-hmm. which I think is because like, to your point, sometimes
1: that happens, right? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly like a domino effect situation um, because I think, and it doesn't even have to be like a big thing. Like obviously like quitting drinking is huge and super brave, but like anything Any small thing that you decide to change, like, gives you a lot more courage to change other small things.
0: Do you feel like, so the quitting drinking for me, I feel like, is a very clear line in the sand, like, before and after Mm -hmm. point. Like, this was my life before, and this is my life after. Maybe not on that big of a scale, but do you have something in your mind that, like, is your, like, time marker? That, like, me before, X thing, versus after,
1: Yeah, because I think that leaving the job that I left in 2012, it was like a different industry and it would have put me on a different path. And now I'm on, like I work at a design agency and so I work in branding and that I think is the job that I want to do. Like that's the career path that I want to be on indefinitely. And I wouldn't have done that if I had not left that job. Isn't it funny how like the one decision? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true for any one decision. We don't know the fallout, but... So we were talking
0: about something interesting last night that I wanted to circle back to about this idea that going back to dating when you're in your twenties, you were saying that uh, something about like, if you are settling down like, too quickly, you know, mm-hmm. people are all saying exit. Talk about that. But yeah. Been.
1: So I read an article a couple a of couple days ago about, it's basically it was basically about like women and the biological clock, but like I think it applies to not just biology. Um, and basically it's like if you're a 26 year old woman and you're in a, you've been in a relationship since college and you're with the person who you think is your person and you may be, very well be right. Everyone wants to tell you that you're wrong because you're too young to decide like this is not like an appropriate time in your life like you haven't experienced enough, like you haven't done enough things, like you should have some time and quote unquote time to be single. Like, as if that's, like, the best time for personal development, which we all know it's not. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, maybe you do do that. And then you're single for a few years. And then you wake up one morning and you're 30. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, it's too late for you now. You're never going to find anybody. Like, you can't have kids at this point. (laughs) You've wasted all of your productive time. (laughs) And it's like, as a woman, you can never win. win, You know, like, you're either too attached to your relationship or you're to you're too much gonna be alone forever (laughs) yeah that makes me think
0: you know so what in february paul and i will be married three years and i feel like a lot of people want to ask like how does it feel being married right Mm -hmm. like as if that's whatever so but i feel like the flip side of that question that's not asked that i'm interested in is how how do you feel being single and like has that changed over the last couple of years
1: well i think for me this is just me personally like i personally really like being single um just because it does afford me opportunities that, like, I didn't get to have when I was in a relationship. Like, and that's definitely 100% based on the relationships that I re- was in. And, if I, th- I don't think that's the case for every relationship, but, like, I, get, I kind of just, like, get to make my own choices. And, like, if I had stayed with the person who I was with in my 20s, like, I wouldn't be living in Portland right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so right now it seems like a great thing. Um, but certainly, like, that doesn't mean that, like, there are, like, Sunday, night, Sunday mornings that I wake up and I, w- I would wish that there was someone else, like, living in my house, you know? <laughs> like, it would be nice to have, like, that kind of constant companionship, like, somebody to, again, go to the post office for me and, like... It, oh, all comes back to the post office. All comes back to the post office. You and I hate the post office. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, I'm using that as kind of, like, a dumb example for, like, a partner who cares about me and takes responsibility for the same things that I'm taking responsibility for solo right now Mm -hmm. so like certainly there are definitely benefits to like having a relationship or being in like the relationship that you're gonna be in or even a temporary one um but at the same time like being single can also be really great um yeah I never felt from you or I have never felt
0: from you like a desperate need to be coupled up or that you like I feel like you almost in like a I think counterculture might be too strong of a word but like I think we do place a really high like societal value on like monogamous long term relationships and like it's like a point of success like you I mean that was you and I have had this conversation about how I mean Paul and I looked right for our own reasons but there's so I feel like a woman is never more celebrated than when she's getting married for the most part and like it's not an accomplishment like I'm happy for you if you found the person that you want to be with that's awesome and like Mm -hmm. Paul and I are stoked but like Right, we didn't,
1: like, win the Pulitzer. Like, right. like, definitely,
0: definitely not. And, like, <laughs> yeah, like, celebrate, is- like, this awesome, like, I don't know, professional accomplishment or, like, the fact that I, like, quit drinking and I'm, like, not a dick anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know that it's... Yeah. And I do, I feel like that is something that I really respect a lot about you is that you don't seem to put that on a pedestal in a way that, like, I don't know, I think
1: can make a lot of Thank you. women... Crazy. Thank you. I mean, I like that about myself also, and I definitely don't value it in that way. But I will also say at the same time, like long-term relationships and marriages are miracles. If you can ever find the person who like is your person forever, like that's what the fuck are the chances? Right?
0: Actually, what <laughs> like, are the chances? Yeah. Because we change so much <laughs> yeah.
1: and grow so
0: Yeah, I mean, that's admit, That's why the divorce rates are so high. Right. right.
1: I, I think that there's a lot of value in that in, in sustaining long-term relationships. Like, for sure, definitely. But at the same time, like, again, it's not, like, the biggest accomplishment. And the thing that's really worrisome for me is, like, with social media, it, the second someone changes their status to engaged or married like that's that's gonna be the status update that goes down in history as the one with the most likes and comments for sure like yeah. congratulations my gosh I'm so happy for you no one ever says that like when I got this new job like I changed my Facebook status and I think like do people like to this yeah <laughs> but at the same time like if I post a photo that like looks like a couple picture of like me and a friend of mine online like hundreds of likes it doesn't make any sense
0: It does, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I clearly am no, like, sociological (laughs) expert. It's definitely indicative of, like, what we think is important, even if we're saying the opposite. Mm -hmm. Not we, you and I as individuals, but, like, we collectively. Yeah. And that, yeah. But I also feel like you're an anomaly in, like, I don't feel like you're aggressively single. Meaning in the way that's, like the kind of, like, girl, pow, it's almost like a false bravado around it, which, like, Mm -hmm. listen, I have needed that. It's like you said, we've all been the starring person in Mm -hmm. that. Like, because I hear the truth of what you're saying. Like, I feel like it's a very honest answer of that's not your pinnacle of success, but also, yeah, you want a partner. That sounds awesome. But also, this long-term monogamy, like, is a miracle. Like, it's a lot of different things
1: to hold. It is. I think, you know, relationships are complicated. Um, Friendships are already complicated, so, like, you're one monogamous relationship is definitely fraught with like a lot of things. Um, when
0: well, you're also always going to be faced with other people's opinions or like judgments on your relationship, right? Like or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. well, mm-hmm. but I mean, and this is something you and I've talked about too is, and obviously I should have Paul on the show at some point and we can go into the like, oh, <laughs> like <laughs> twisting turns <laughs> of our relationship. But you know, when we got back together, it was incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Like we basically got back in touch and then we're married within eight months. Yeah. Which, like, that's, that's, that what, and like, seems... people had feelings about that, yeah. which, of course, right? Like, people that care about you are gonna be like, oh, red flag or mm-hmm, not. Yeah. Um, but it's funny how, because, I mean, at this point in time, three years later, it is working out, that that's a romantic story. I know. Like, look at this whirlwind thing that happened. It's like the same thing as, like, if you sacrifice everything to, like, be an awesome swimmer or whatever. And then you make it to the Olympics and like then all those sacrifices and all the like family events that you miss and stuff, like are all worth it. Yeah. But if you weren't ever success, it's so funny how like the telling of the story or the retelling of the story is all based on what happens at the end. Yeah. But like, if this would have completely crashed and burned, then it would have been, Oh, well, Nicole was really too impulsive and like t- going into this and like made bad choices. Mm-hmm. But, like, because right
1: now it's working out and we're happily married. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think either way, it's a it's a good story. Like, life stories are fun. Storytelling is fun, um, as I'm sure we both agree. But, like, yeah, I mean, if you do some sort of, like, romantic, impulsive, whatever thing at the start of a relationship, like, for example, if you've gone on three dates with somebody and, like, all of a sudden you're, like, you're, like, oh, let's take a trip together. I'm going to take you, like, away for the weekend or whatever. Like, if they're into you, that's great, but if they're kind of, like... I'm sure that's the craziest thing. That's like that. <laughs> and that you're completely insane. That <laughs> plot
0: line from what is it from How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> I think so. Where like the the thing is either deemed romantic or yes. crazy depending upon like the feelings of the yeah. other person. Like that this the very same action. The like mm-hmm. I bought you these plane tickets and I'm taking you to Italy for the weekend after knowing each other for a week is either like the most romantic thing or completely batshit crazy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If someone sends you flowers after the first date and you had a great first date, then it's fantastic. But if you were iffy about it, like you are making fun of them with all of your coworkers. Like it's yeah. just. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. That's so true. That's so funny. Um, what else? I feel like you and I could talk about so many things. For, I mean, these are like all the things that we discuss in our, <laughs> I remember when we used to live across the hall from each other and we would go on like 6 a.m. early morning walks around the neighborhood, like yeah, old women and which, talk about all these things.
1: <laughs> like old women, which again, like A, was my favorite because it was routine. And then B, also it was crazy that like we would, 6 30 in the morning, every morning, go for a 30 minute walk and always have something to talk about. Like, what, like, nothing happened the day before, and yet. Well, it's because we're talking. Well, I feel like a lot of our conversations
0: were what is money and how does anyone retire? Like, how do you ever save enough money to retire? I don't
1: that. I don't think you actually can. I don't think so either. <laughs> like, what?
0: Oh, man. So, okay, here's an interesting question. Um, so I mentioned before the like drawing the line in the sand of before and after drinking, and you mentioned like the line in the sand of you know mm-hmm. putting this job and moving on. So you and I have been friends. I mean, I know some people have their childhood friends. I do not have childhood right, friends. I, I have one. Like I have one friend from high school that was I'm still friends with. Yeah, kind of one friend from college, like one friend from college, basically. But like that's like you're one of my longest friends. Right, like we've been same. friends in person since what 2008, which to me, especially in internet years, is like in eternity. That's right, crazy. And you're one of the only close friends that I was close with before I quit drinking that I'm still close with afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so in your perspective, it's not about that specifically, but like, what do you think it is about us, like about our friendship that like has been able to withstand so many transitions, whereas others don't?
1: Oh, I don't know. That's a hard question.
0: (laughs) I was Um, thinking about that the other day, so.
1: Yeah, that's a really hard question. I mean, I think, I mean, when you did quit, drinking that was during the period of time where we lived across the hall from each other right mm-hmm. am I wrong okay no it was like yeah it was I quit drinking and then
0: a month later I moved across the hall from you which is good life choices oh yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so also I mean definitely there have there were occasions in our friendship where like there was too much alcohol for sure like the Voldemort night that we don't talk about anymore. oh my god the Voldemort night
0: <laughs> we let me just say we can't tell that story we because it negatively impacts it. too many people Duty. but yeah at some point if we do a, a secret podcast of all of the all of our shenanigans after this we can talk about some shenanigans Yeah, keep going but like
1: things like we this is not to say like the, there were certainly nights that were like out of control that like were crazy and there was a lot of alcohol involved and that kind of thing but like that wasn't The basis of our friendship. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I would, the first few times that we hung out, I remember like I would go to your place in Westlake where you like slept on the floor and like the tile, there was like a tile floor. Yeah. And we would like go to Vaughn's and buy like an entire loaf of French bread and like some brie cheese and like sit on the floor and eat it. And there was wine, but like that wasn't, we weren't hanging out to drink. We were just hanging out to hang out. Yeah. I also think. Cause I, I mean, I was not
0: to say I like sit around thinking about like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, what is the lasting nature of my relationship with Jaya? Mm -hmm. But knowing that we were going to have this podcast, right. Mm -hmm. It was just like kind of in the back of my mind. And I feel like, the reason like the main reason is because like yeah like we did do fun things together for sure but I feel like our relationship was always based more on like talking about stuff yeah then like so it's not like the fact that I no longer like wanted to go to the club all night like I don't think you ever really wanted to do it. it's not like
1: a thing that we shared in common we <laughs> yes. no longer
0: had in common which was not the case with a lot of other friends that's 100
1: percent true like there are definitely friends that I've had in my life who are like going out friends and like we would have the greatest time like on those nights out doing whatever it is that we were doing but like at the end of the day that's not super sustainable so if you can't get past like the going out phase of your friendship which we, you and I never really had but like if you don't get past that then like there's nothing you don't have a life to stand on anymore
0: yeah I mean I think so back to your point about the miracle of long-term monogamous relationships and if mm-hmm. that works like yes we do treat those kind of relationships really different from friendships, which in some ways makes sense because you can have a lot of friends and if you believe in monogamy, you only have the one partner. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot more common, like at the end of the day, a relationship is a relationship. So for me looking at, okay, what's it going to take to hopefully have like a successful long-term marriage? I find myself looking at my longest term, like friendships Mm -hmm. and like, what are the commonalities there? And I feel like one of the big ones for us is that like, we give each other the space to change yeah you know like we've uh-huh. both changed a lot right sure. and it's totally fine if you're like i don't want to do this thing anymore i'd be like okay cool right yeah. or whatever that that's i don't know like i think that's a strong point and that's something that i try to do in my marriage also to mm-hmm. be like okay like the only way this is going to work is if it's fine i mean of course we're going to change so much right we're like in our early 30s and if we plan to be married like into our you know whatever old age we're going to change so much yeah
1: yeah yeah I think that there is an underlying level of, like, respect and understanding that's required for that kind of relationship, and not everybody has that for each other. Um, also, I think another, like, important thing in friendships and that are or relationships that are going to go long-term is um, respecting each other's boundaries, but still knowing when to push someone out of their comfort zone. Like, I value that a lot. Give me an example. Like, for example, like... You know, if I, like, I'm a person who, again, doesn't want to go out to the club all of the nights. (laughs) And so some nights, if you're going to invite me, like, out to a bar or whatever to socialize, like, I'm into it. And other nights, like, I just kind of want to, like, stay home and, and not have people over and just, like, hang out by myself. And I think that that's a boundary that, like, some people don't necessarily respect. Um, I have a friend who, one of the first times he invited me to hang out, he called me up and he was like, let's go to whatever down the street. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> which like, no, actually. Like, <laughs> I know, like the reason I recall this is because he brings it up all the time. <laughs> because that's not a normal response like normally like you would just make up that I'm tired or I like I have to wake up early in the morning excuse but like I didn't have those reasons I just didn't want to go so I said I don't want to and he was like what the hell (laughs) but like he let that happen but at the same time like in other ways like I sometimes there are fun things that I think that I don't want to do that like actually are like fun simple things like I you know If I, for example, this is, this is so silly, but like if I'm going out to like a place like a bar or something like that, where there are like things to do, like games to play, it's not my first instinct to play games. It's It's, never my instinct. Yeah. Like I don't want, like, I'm not there to like play pinball, but then like this friend will make me play pinball with him and it's the best. And I'm so good at pinball. (laughs) as But like, just like little things. Yeah. That like kind of make you realize that there's stuff that you're not doing that you could be doing. That's actually really fun.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it goes back to the stories you tell yourself about who you are, Mm -hmm. right? And like, if you are set in a mindset of like, I'm a person who doesn't play pinball. I mean, we're using like a really small example, (laughs) but then you say that once. And then all of a sudden, six years later, that's still true. Right. right? And it's like, I think that it is a hard personal growth thing to know the difference between like, I never want to ride bikes. I right. but like I just I mean I have you know I have like extreme like bike fear yeah. and like just I don't want to. It's like someone pushy and like Paul knows that he's a cyclist, but he knows pushing me on that not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's a heart that's I just don't want to. But then there's yeah. other things, right? That like someone invites me to do something that's like past my bedtime, and so like my instinct is to say no because I'm an old lady who goes to bed at like nine, yeah. which is fine most of the time. But like sometimes you have to say yes to that stuff. So it's yeah. like being able to yeah. It's mm-hmm. so fine. Um there's something else I was just going to bring up and now I don't remember. Um, Oh, we were talking about our shenanigans Okay. Um, before we wrap up. (laughs) What is your favorite memory of something that we have done together?
1: Oh, I mean, there are so many, um, but like the first thing that always comes to mind was, so we met like at some, some like blogger marketing thing. um, And like within, I think a week of that, like we decided that we were going to go skydiving. Yeah. (laughs) yeah um and we had both been skydiving so it wasn't like this like terrifying thing but it was like let's let's just go skydiving I don't like even you know how to...
0: we got there too like we had met for a week and like why was our next like we had to up the ante so much We're, like <laughs> we went to this boring blogger event probably we should go jump out of a plane
1: I know I don't know why but you like gathered up a group of people and we all like ended up like in Lompoc or something like that to try which and- was far we drove like which was Like far. three hours to this skydiving situation. Yeah, like I came to your place and then we drove up the 101 to try to go to this skydiving thing and it was like cloudy and it turns out that like you can't It was do too that. windy. Yeah, it was too <laughs> So we get there and yeah, it was, it was too cloudy and windy or something and they wouldn't let us skydive. And we had been so excited about it for like a full week. Like we were like, gonna go skydiving and then they were like, no, like you can't jump out of a plane right now, like you're gonna die. So like, we had to drive the, like, three hours back. But before we did that, <laughs> we went to a terrible buffet. <laughs> oh, my God. I totally
2: forgot
1: about that. <laughs> Which was, like, it was, like, a pizza and pasta buffet but with, like, you know, like, the ones that are out there in the sticks and, like, the pasta is gummy and the pizza is gross. And, like, we ate all of this pizza and pasta and then we drove the three hours back and, like, had this major adrenaline dump from, like, A, not skydiving and then B, eating all the carbs. <laughs> yeah. That's like a part I of the story like, I forgot. Slept for, like, five or six hours on the ground in your apartment.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this was... <laughs> Yeah, I, oh my God. So I, this was when I was the director of mm-hmm. uh, children's day camp and my living situation. So, cause I would be in New York during the year and in California during the summer. So I would always like rent a room in someone's place or do something like really yeah. temporary. And I moved back permanently. I rented a room from someone on Craigslist. So, so I can't believe this random story is coming into my head. I, and she lived with her two kids and she rented me like her spare room and I was there for some months and it turned, it turned out that it was, uh, like a low income, housing situation that in order to qualify to keep living there you couldn't rent out like it had to be you and your family you can't then like rent rooms for money and so basically she gets this letter it's like we see that this person has been living with you and like whatever if she's this was I think it was on a Wednesday yeah if she's not out by Friday you and your kids are going to get evicted Mm -hmm. basically and so I got
2: got (laughs) evicted
0: and I mean I didn't I really had no money and I wound up like secretly living in my office at the Mm -hmm. camp. Remember I like Mm -hmm. had, I like bought an air mattress and like tried to get away with living in my office that had no windows. It was so tiny. It was against like all the regulations. (laughs) So they found out that I was, it was like, so I bounced through all these things and finally wound up renting like a small studio apartment. That was like basically like a mother-in-law unit, right? Like of someone else's big property. Yeah. And, but I couldn't afford any furniture. Right. You had an air mattress. And so I had an air mattress and I slept on the floor which then I slept on the floor for like years because then I moved to San Francisco and all Jamie and I could afford was this one bedroom and she had more money than I did and she got the bedroom and I slept on an air mattress behind a screen and yeah then, yeah it's so yeah, you were friends done. with me yeah and then we took we took and a had really a ball long pit
1: on on the patio we did have a yeah. ball pit
0: on our patio so, <laughs> so I feel like that could go down a lot of other anyway enough about me living on an air mattress um, are there any final things that you want to talk about
1: yeah um, so yes yeah. <laughs> let me bust out my list no so last night when we were talking, um, you mentioned that, like, your neighbor was ta- – you guys were talking about ways that you were similar and ways that you were different, like you and your friends who live across the street. And they described you as, like, I can't remember, like – Aggressively cheerful. Aggressively cheerful.
2: <laughs> I will <laughs> okay. take that.
1: Yeah, which I think is a very nice thing to say about somebody. Um, And that reminded me of, like, that in the past year, year or so – people have been describing me as bubbly. Really? Yes. (laughs) This is new. Tell me about the evolution of this. I know, which I is a totally new, like weird thing for me to feel like I am because it never occurred to me that like I had a bubbly personality. Um, but like when they say that, like they're not wrong. Like I think that I can be, and it's a very nice compliment and it's something that I would aspire to be, I guess I could say. But, um, because I like grew up so like shy and like kind of like was a really quiet kid. Um, like it just never occurred to me that like that was the kind of person who I am. So when you when your neighbor described you as aggressively cheerful, were you like where like how did I become this person? Like what? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> and a is good. that that's is that is that a way that you would describe yourself like if he hadn't said that about you?
0: I feel the same way as you that it's like an aspirational thing. Cause like he meant it in a nice way. Like we were kind of joking around and like, we were talking about how they're cynical and I'm aggressively cheerful apparently, Mm -hmm. which I mean, obviously of course we're friends and we spend a good amount of time together, but like they're also not with me when I'm like feeling depressed. Right. So like, no, it's not like I'm the reason that I liked it was because the term, like that terminology of being aggressively cheerful. Like it doesn't to me mean this like, Pollyanna, like sunshine, fix. Like, I don't think I'm like that. I think that I'm very real. But the reason that I really liked it, or I mean, that it caught me off guard, was because I think not using those terms, it's something that I have been working towards. Like, for a lot of years, I mean, and I think some of this comes from having written online, you know, in some capacity for a while that like the lowest common denominator, I think, is being snarky and being cynical. Like it's really easy to do that and to like have a chip on your shoulder and to not want to play pinball or you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, to not. it really is easier and safer to not be that person, like to be more standoffish and to be like any of those things. And. I don't know. Like I reached a point in the last couple of years where I just was not interested in doing that anymore, and like I didn't want my friendships to be based on like mutually bitching about stuff. Yeah, which or, is so much or gossiping. Like I, I mean, I've mentioned this book a ton of times on the podcast, I think. But when I read Will Bowen's "A Complaint Free World," mm-hmm. that's basically all about the experiment of trying, you know, for a certain amount of time to not. Complain, but it wasn't just complaining. It was not complain, gossip, criticize, or be sarcastic, Mm -hmm. which, like, real talk is impossible. Right. Like, but it's, but it's a very, and so I experimented with that, obviously, failed like every single time. Right. But it really made me realize how much of my interactions with people were like, that would be the, like, oh, I didn't sleep well, or I'm not feeling well, or there was so much traffic, or the weather that, like, that it was just always had kind of like a negative slant. And it's really easy, especially online, to like make fun of stuff and to make fun of other people, and to be too cool for something. And I just, I don't know, like the people that I really look up to aren't like that. Mm -hmm. And it's not this like fake positivity, but that like you can choose to be, I don't know, like when you, how do I want to say this? When I, a good parallel, um, something that Carrot Quinn, whose book you mentioned before, talks about I think in her book and on her blog, I don't know if we talked about it during her episode of the show about with long distance hiking, like obviously you're part of a community. And like part of that means that sometimes you have to lean on your like fellow hikers if you're having like a really bad day and like that it is important to be able to ask for help and to be vulnerable. But like, yeah, that it is an energetic exchange. And like to be her principle for herself is to be really careful, not um like not withdrawing from that too much and to like be sure to like through telling jokes or through whatever to like add energy and so when I went on my hike one of the things I was thinking is like I was visualizing every interaction that I had with anyone whether we hiked together for a day or for five minutes or whatever like if there was this is so weird if there was a bowl of energy between us or like Mm. a bowl whatever that like I wanted to refill it and sometimes I had terrible days and like other people were supportive to me but even in that I didn't want to like there's a difference between the like wow, this super sucks kind of like funny bitching versus like whining and like pulling energy from other people. Yeah. And I feel that way back going back to school too, that like, I want to, like you can intentionally choose to be cheerful. Yeah. Or to just try to be someone who like, like brings up the common denominator of the energy in the room or brings it down. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to bring it down. And so for me, that's been like a really conscious choice. And so hearing the other thing too, this is a long answer. Um, I didn't realize I had so much to say about this. Yeah. Um, because so these friends that you're talking about, they live across the street from us, they are the first friends in literally I can't tell you how long that I met having nothing to do with the internet, right? So it's not like they knew me through social media. like we had no pre-existing anything. They are like, I mean, they have Facebook. But, like, they don't use Instagram. They don't use Twitter. Like, they're not Mm -hmm. online, right? Like, it's a very 100%, like, IRL friendship, right? Yeah. Like, completely in real life, which is lovely. Um, And so, like, I met them recently so like after having it was almost like an affirmation for me that like what i'm trying to do is working yeah like what i'm i don't know i don't know if that makes sense or how you you feel
1: i really like what you said about like the shared energy bowl (laughs) right it's so so, it wasn't as weird when i pictured it on the hike but Yeah. yeah no but i think that i really like that and that reminds me a lot of um working for me so i work in teams and sometimes like stuff is really stressful but like For me, my job is to be the person who, like, A, knows the most about what's happening, and B, helps people do the things that they need to do. So, like, to help the designers, like, to make it easy for them to do their job or whatever. And I think that the best way for me to do it is to not be stressed out and, like, just to be, like, completely unflappable when things go wrong. Because, like, if I'm freaking out, they're going to freak out. Mm-hmm. Um So for me to be successful and to do my job, like, I do feel like maybe I need to be, like, a little bit bubbly, which, like, is not my first instinct. Like, that's not you know that's not the way that like i was born but it's something that i've chosen to cultivate in myself and i like i like it i think it's a good thing yeah i think so too mm-hmm. i mean i think um just before we started recording we
0: were like going down the rabbit hole of being stressed out about politics and like all of that mm-hmm. and like lamenting the feeling of sometimes like oh my gosh i'm just one person like what can i do in the face of any of these really big issues right yeah. and i think that's common i think everyone listening probably feels that way from time to time if not every day but then it's like it might sound cliche but like this thing that you're talking about it really speaks to like okay maybe I can't solve like huge world problems right and like one but you really do have a bigger impact than you realize on like the energy and the day-to-day experience of the people that you come into contact with and like what you choose to bring to that like if the first thing out of someone's mouth is something negative it kind of sets the tone and like immediately okay well what we're doing here is complaining so then everyone like layers on their stuff yeah versus like I don't know, just like choosing to go the other way. Like, I really do think over time, those like little things make a really big difference.
1: I think so too. And even on like the most micro level. So I've been joking about this a lot since moving to Portland. Like this is like a funny ha ha joke, especially coming from LA, but like, in Portland, for the most part, if I'm going to go out and get coffee, I, I'm not allowed to have coffee until I've told someone about my day. Basically, <laughs> the barista is always like, hi, how are you doing? Whatever. And like, you can choose to not engage and just be like, fine, I would like a latte. But like, you can also have a conversation with them. And um they're doing their part to, you know, make you feel like you're engaged in part of this community. And you can do your part as well. And like, sometimes you don't want to, but like, Ultimately, if you do, everybody walks away feeling better.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what you're speaking to is such a lovely, like we we tend to focus on the big things, right? Like we're talking about our goals or like, I want to do this or something about like my work or a promotion or this. And not to say like these things don't matter, but like really our life is a series of very tiny moments, mm-hmm. like all stacked up together. Right. And like yeah. on one hand, it might seem like, well, it doesn't matter if you have a conversation with the person making coffee or not. Right. But I think that it does it like makes yeah, you it more connected to other humans. Mm-hmm. And like you can connect with people over a shared negativity or a shared positivity or a shared like curiosity. Yeah. Right. That like it really is easy to go into and when someone, oh, like, how's your week going? Like, you have a lot of things that you can choose to share. Right. And that doesn't mean don't ask for help or talk about things that are hard. Clearly, I believe exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's – there's a difference. Yeah. Like, when you can choose what to share, like, why not share something that's like, oh, my God, I'm reading this book that's awesome.
1: Or, like, I saw – I don't know. Like, it's just – No, I agree with you. And I think it's like it's like you say at the end of every podcast that we're all in this together. And I think that that applies to, like, all of the relationships. And even going all the way back to the start of this talking about dating, like, we're all – single on this app together. So we should be respecting each other. That's all. (laughs) Right. And just like raise the
0: love. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if we're going to, I in the past have been really interested in goal setting, like specific, like outcome based things. And not that that isn't still of interest in some things more with running than with anything else, but I more and more am like setting almost like a compass of behavior for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. That like, I want to be kind Yeah. And like things that I used to not like, I would roll my eyes at that when I was, however, younger, like, okay, like, yeah, you want to be more kind. That's your goal. But that's everything. That's the goal. Yeah. Right. That like, if you can be someone who, of course, not all the time, because like, sometimes I'm the worst, but like, (laughs) and you're not always in the mood to make the conversation with the person making the coffee or whatever. But Mm -hmm. if you can, like, take it upon yourself to try to just like bring a more positive energy and like be kind and be curious and be understanding. Like I feel like they're like benchmarks that I will always like now try to aim for. Yeah. Not always successfully. Right. right. But I mean, like sometimes aiming, I'm in traffic, I like i the person off and like have so much road rage and like can't, you know, well, we but all know traffic is like your hot button <laughs> issue. It's, it's true. I can't, I can't, I can't No, my hot button issue. Well, I guess this falls into it. It's not the traffic. It's, It's similar to what you just said about the dating app. It's, like, general disrespect for other people and their, like, time... It's why it makes me crazy when people are late. Oh, yeah. Don't be late. That's the worst. Like, and I don't mean... Of course, I've been late sometimes. You know what I mean? But, like, if your default... If your your default is always 10 minutes late... Or just, like... Just not respectful and not mm-hmm. thoughtful. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, well, that is a good place, I think, to start to wrap up. Yeah. Um Obviously, you can come back on the show anytime and we can talk about all the things. Okay. Um, but you know that the way we wrap up are with community questions. So questions that Real Talk Radio yes. listeners want me to ask each of our eight guests of a given season. So we have nine. I have nine questions for you. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> when was the last time you tried something new and what was it? Um...
1: I mean, here I am, like, <laughs> the whole moving thing, I think is like a very new situation. oh yeah, the actual logistics of moving was I don't know, it was terrifying for some reason to me, I think because it a made the whole thing very real, um and b, I just didn't know how to do it, like I didn't know like I've obviously like packed up my stuff and moved from like one place to like some other place that's three miles away, like no problem, but like figuring out like how to get. Me and my belongings, like a thousand miles from where they began in one piece, like I didn't know how to do it, and it was really scary for some reason, yeah. like I had a super hard time i had a like I had a hard time finding an apartment, not because like the actual finding of the apartment was hard, but because I just didn't I didn't know what to do or where to start like there was a brief period of time where I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing like i should I, I'm just gonna rent a place in someone's house and and figure it out from there. And then, and then I was like, well, but what about my things? So like, I don't know, like I just, it was so many, so many options and trying to decide what would make me feel the most comfortable was so difficult. Um, And then obviously like I just like had this weird like stress situation about like someone taking all of my belongings and then like three weeks later them finding me. (laughs) Yeah. Hiring (laughs) movers is a really weird thing. It's also one of those
0: things that if you've never done it, because all the moving that I have done was like, well, this fits in my car. So I guess that's (laughs) all I'm taking. And when we moved here, we hired, you know, movers, which felt like a very, okay, I'm an adult. Yeah, that was really scary. it's not cheap. And that how do you evaluate like this company over it's this is all the stuff that I wish that I would have been taught like, I, I could have done without a lot of the classes that I took in high school and college but like teach me things about taxes and mortgages yeah. and how to hire movers right. and <laughs>
1: yeah just how to like live anyway. your life also I had to talk on the phone with the movers a lot yeah so. <laughs> yeah so that was your that was your new thing that you did you yeah. talked on the phone with movers mm-hmm. <laughs> um what's something that you really love about yourself I really love this question. Just for the record, I think you've asked it like on previous seasons, and like I, I like to ask people this question too after hearing it on here because like that's, that's it's a, a good tough question, one. right? Yeah, yeah. I really love this question, and also you never really think about things about yourself that like are awesome. Although you know, in theory, you know that there are some. <laughs> um, so, what's the thing that I really love about myself? I think. Uh... I think the thing, one of the things (laughs) that stands out to me, like in response to this question is that I, I don't feel like I need permission to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, for example, just like as a story last, last New Year's, didn't know what I was going to do for New Year's. um, So... A friend of mine and I were like, well, like, let's spend it together. Let's do something. And we came up with this idea to, like, rent a camper van and, like, drive up the Sierras and camp on the side of the road, like, whatever BLM land we could find. Um, and just, like, go from L.A. to Tahoe for for New Year's. And uh, not that much camping experience. Not Definitely not a lot of dry camping experiences, which is when um, you basically, like, you have to bring all of your food and water with you. Um, So we did that and it was so fun and it was brand new and it was something that like, I don't know how to do and that my parents were like, I don't think you should do that. I don't trust this van. I don't trust you. (laughs) I don't trust whoever's on the road. <laughs> There's going to be snow or whatever, but like, I just wanted to do it. And so I did it. And I think that like that kind of like decision making and following through is something that I like about myself a lot. Yeah. You don't look, you don't need other people's validation of your choices. Yeah. I don't need for other people to think that that's cool. And f- to, to be whatever,
0: like, I, I don't know that that would have been my answer to the question. Cause I don't know that I would have thought of that, but I feel the same way about myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. And maybe that's like a commonality that we're yeah. both like, I don't need, I don't need to crowdsource like whether or not what I'm going to do with my life is a good decision. And which is why I think people are often, oh wait, you eloped, you moved to Bend, you did this thing, you deleted your whole
1: blog. You, and I'm like, right. I don't, I don't ask for a lot of advice. That's true. Yeah. Which I mean, I think is a, an element of this, like not eating other people's approval. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're getting to know someone
0: new, what is a favorite question to ask or like, what's something that you really
1: like knowing about someone when you're getting to know them? Um, that's a good question. I like asking people about like their relationships with in particular, their siblings, if they have them. Um, but like just their family in general, I feel like you can learn a lot about a person by how they talk about their family. And I think that everyone's family is crazy. Um, we all think our family is the most crazy, but like that's somebody's family has to be the least crazy. Um, But just there's a commonality there. Like everybody thinks that their family is the the worst slash best all the time. Um, And I think that that's like a fun thing to ask about, especially siblings. I think siblings are super important. I mean, and yeah, obviously you have a close
0: relationship with your sibling.
1: Yeah, I have an older brother. And the cool thing about having a sibling is they're like the person who went through all the same things that you did that like you don't even remember. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. have that. It's
0: funny. Yeah. Um, what's one thing that you know now that you wish you would have known three years ago? So like 2013, Drea?
1: 2013. Um, I think that like 2013 me was... Like the first going back to the first community question, like 2013, me, I think was a little less certain of things. Not that I was like, you know, so like such a like timid bunny at that point. Like I didn't, again, like seek a lot of approval or advice, but it didn't seem as okay to me then as it does now to just kind of like decide the things that you want to do and then do them. So I feel like I would tell her that it's okay to be that way Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be scary and even if it is
0: scary, you can get through it. Yeah, I feel like it's funny. So whenever I ask these questions, right, then I'm always like, what would my answer be to these questions? Yeah. Right. Maybe I should do like a thing for our Patreon people oh, that just would be like fun. answering the questions. But for this one specifically, and obviously like three years is an arbitrary amount of time, but you mm-hmm. have in order to answer the question, you have to like put yourself in like, where was I at the end yeah. of 2013, right? Yeah. And like Paul and I had recently got back together and all these and I feel what do I feel like I would have told myself? You know, I think that for me, I had been running for a couple of years and like doing, like taking some like risks creatively, but I feel like I still kind of was under the societal conditioning that it's not okay for women to have really high standards for themselves and to be competitive. Like in the way that I feel like we approve Mm -hmm. of we again collectively of like men like striving for a lot right and like sacrificing for the thing that they want and do and but for whatever reason we don't with women are like yeah it's not pretty to be competitive or anything anything in that space and so i think i was still really i don't know like didn't as opposed to now how i feel about like Running and like going back to school with having really high standards, like that. I think I would have gone back, and I wish I would have known that it's okay to expect a shit ton from yourself. Yeah, that like it's almost like I think this comes down to that. There's a difference between perfectionism and like the pursuit of perfection. That like perfectionism, I feel like is this like can be a really debilitating. Like then you never execute on anything because nothing's ever perfect enough. But like the pursuit of perfection,
1: I feel like is a quality that I really want. To, mm-hmm. like i know the perfection
0: doesn't exist yeah but like why not go for it
1: right you know i don't know i think i agree with you like first of all women are not inherently taught to own their own power and that's a huge shortcoming i think um and i think that it's okay to want to be the best that you can be at something that doesn't mean that you're gonna be the best at what you're probably not gonna be the best at whatever it is but striving to be the best that you can be I think is a totally reasonable goal for men and women yeah I think so well and I also think that
0: the, it, it's not like a binary black or white like that if you want that then all of a sudden you're like terrible and willing to stab people in the back to make it happen like that it's right it's, like I remember someone that sticks out to me uh, a conversation that I was having with my friend Kate who's Kate Grace who's been on the show mm-hmm. um The race, she ran a race. It's just she ran the Olympic like in the finals, the Olympics, and it didn't go the way that she wanted it to, you know, and then ran a race. I think it was like a couple weeks later where it was basically all the same women from the film. It was was almost like a Uh do-over. And like, and her kind of public thing going into it was like, I really wanted, I would just really want to have fun. I want to have a good time racing. And she told me afterwards, that was definitely true. But she was like, I also want to beat some chicks. Right. (laughs) But like, that's okay. But it's it's almost like, and like wanting to be the best means that you're going to be better than somebody else. But it's like, I want that. I want everyone to have their best day. And for me to be the best, like if we're talking (laughs) about running, right, it's not like she wants to do well. I'm projecting onto her, but like, right. Because everyone else like someone falls and breaks their leg and then she gets to win, right? right that's no, like, not you the want same. everyone to be at their best and you want to win. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. And also, you know, like, I don't know. I think that I mean, this could be a whole other conversation, but there's definitely something there that I would go back and like wish that I knew that it's okay to have to be competitive right and, you, and remember, you can be competitive and be a good person at the same time
1: oh yeah i mean do you remember um that 5k that you ran like a year ago when you came to la and then went to san, san diego to do the 5k and you when had, i hadn't you been training been in like a year yeah. yeah and you hadn't been training and like you thought that you were just gonna have like a fun run or whatever and the minute like the race started you were like oh i'm gonna win this <laughs>
0: <Great>. <laughs> Which, spoiler
1: like, alert I didn't. obviously you weren't yeah <laughs> but like you wanted to do better than all of the other people who you were with. All of them, everyone. Yeah, and then I think you did. I mean, I did fine. Yeah. I mean... It, I did find, considering that I hadn't been running seriously for a year, but well, but the reason you did "quote unquote" fine slash the best that you could do at that point is because you owned the fact that you wanted to do the best you could do at that point, and it wasn't just for fun.
0: Well, and also that coming out of that, the big lesson for me with that race because I had, I mean, I really hadn't been running for like a year, and I had run that same race a year before as my A race, super well trained, like mm-hmm. huge PR. And so even though my time a year later. I mean, it was slower. It wasn't, it was still a fine. It It was was a time that like four years ago, I would have been ecstatic with, but that it's not the time. It's about what the time represents. And I hadn't put the work in. So I didn't feel proud of that performance. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that like, it's fine to want to beat people. And also that like, I need to do the work yeah. in order to I do that. I think the thing
1: that you should be proudest of in that moment is that you accepted that you want to excel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to beat everyone yeah. in that. I mean, it <laughs>
0: comes out and running more than anything. Yeah. But that's very black and white. Someone wins. Right. right? Anyway. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So next question. What's one non-negotiable for you? One thing, whether it's a large thing or a small thing, that's really important to do every day. Sleep. Yeah.
1: Yeah hands down 100% like if I don't sleep I'm the worst (laughs) I'd say that's probably
0: true for a lot of people but would have you do you how do you actively prioritize sleep
1: um I mean I don't know that I would say that I actively prioritize it all the time but I mean like I will definitely like if it comes down to like you know the one day a week that I I it means something to me to like do something else. Like then for sure, like I can get up super early and go hiking or like stay out late because like I'm having like a really good connection, like with whoever I'm talking to, that kind of thing. Um, But at the end of the day, like the time, like it's just so important. This is if I wake up and I'm groggy, it affects the entire rest of the day. Yeah. Um So I don't have per se a actual bedtime, but if I, have the opportunity like one or two nights a week to go to bed super early and just like bring a book and lay there for a while and then fall asleep naturally whenever I fall asleep that's ideal that's my joyful situation Mm -hmm. that you just described yeah Yeah. so if I could hand you an
0: all-expense-paid trip for two right now where would you go and who would you bring Mm,
1: right now um I would take uh I would bring my mom to the Philippines um so she could be with her family Oh Yeah. When was that that you were there? It was last, not this past May, but the one before. I went for my cousin's wedding um, and it was amazing. And my family there is so great. Like family is super important in that culture. Like basically it's it's the opposite of the American dream where like everybody turns 18 and moves out. Basically in the Philippines, you live at home. And then when you get married, everybody kind of lives on like a ground together. So like all the houses with your family are like together and family is so important to them. Um, and I know that my mom would really love to be there right now. So
0: I feel like sometime you're going to have to come back on the show and we can just talk about family because oh, my yeah. entire experience in my family was the opposite of what you just described.
1: I know. And it's such a bummer. I feel like, um, you know, I don't know if you've been re I, I'll have to send you them if you haven't been reading any of these articles about um like modern families, which is just like sometimes it'll be like a like a a couple with kids and then like some other couples and like maybe some single friends they all live in one gigantic house together and they're a family but like they have no blood relation essentially i mean send me all these articles i'll I'll send them to you it's so interesting because it's kind of going back to like this older way of living that like they still do in a lot of other countries where like you're not so isolated in your little house with your little fence around it like you're part of a community you're part of a family even if you're not related
0: yeah i mean and I would argue that, I mean, well, I wouldn't argue happiness study. Like you read these books about like other cultures and stuff where family is more of a, yeah. or just not even just family, biological family, but like community in general, that it's not so like, isolationist, out for yourself, that, that there's like real happiness ramifications for that. Yeah. That could be a whole other subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we head into the end of the year, which obviously is a time of reflection and resolutions and goal setting for people, what's one thing that's on your mind for 2017? A goal, a project, something?
1: Um, I mean, you know, what you just said earlier about setting goals that are less concrete like really spoke to me, I think. Um, that's, I mean, I've never really it's kind of hard to have a goal that's not measurable. So it's, if you're not like, oh, I want to run like whatever distance that I've never run before, or, or like re- read this many books or go to this many places, like it's a lot harder to see if you are su- successful in your goals. Um, but I think that looking forward into like the things that I want to do in 2017, like kind of, I want to run an- like another half maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, But like, and I also, you know, want to read more, which means like probably like fifty bucks or something like that. But at the same time, I also, you know, want to make my my personal, like, just like general well being higher priority for me because I have a tendency to, and my mom is the same way, and that's I know one hundred percent that's where I get it from. But like, I'm a nurturer, and I am willing to sacrifice like myself for other people if they need things or whatever, which is one of the reasons why. I think I'm a good friend and I think I'm good at my job. But at the same time, like a lot of times that's to my own detriment. So like, for example, maybe I'm not sleeping as much because like, whatever, something. (laughs) Or like, I'm not exercising as much because this, that, or the other thing. And so I want to make treating myself as well as I treat the other people in my life greater priority. Yeah, you know, it's funny, as you were saying that, this is going to be the world's
0: longest episode and I'm totally fine with it. (laughs) Um, As you were saying that, I don't, I think that that is some this idea that, like, I always put everyone else first. Like, that's something else that we, like, culturally glorify. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I do that. Good for you. But I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> listen, any quality, there's, like, too much of it is not good. And too exactly. little of it is not good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this Paul and I have had, obviously, you know, I've shared on the podcast that we're choosing not to have children. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that, like, we're selfish. Yeah, and we know that. No, but I mean, in a way that, like, we know that about ourselves. Yeah. And we're... I. I want to do the things that I want to do at but the time that selfish, I want to do them. I don't them, think
1: that that's not inherently
0: bad. Thing. I don't think so either. Like, I think not being honest about it is. Yeah. That like, no, I want to go to bed at
1: nine. I want to have control of my schedule. I want to. like Well, also, I think that if you're being, if being selfish, quote unquote, doesn't come from a place of like life is a zero sum game, then then it's fine. I think that you can have everything that you want, but you can't have it all at once. Yeah. But I mean, and
0: that was for us moving here essentially starting over socially, right? Mm -hmm. Like we lightly knew a couple people from the internet, but basically these were all new relationships. And it was really important to us to make the relationships while being honest about who we are as mostly like as a couple, meaning that we enjoy, we really enjoy spending time together. Like we have dinner together, like probably at like six o'clock almost every single night. Like if Mm -hmm. we're not doing, it has to be a really good offer for us to make other plans that aren't having dinner with each other. Yeah. Which that's fine. That's so, but that means no, I don't want to have plans every night or like right. friends that are do- like, they want to go to this thing at like seven 30 or eight pa- Like, no, I want to have dinner with Paul and go to bed. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just, and so for us, it's been really lovely. It took longer, but like now that we've been here a couple of years, the people that we've met, we've kind of met with these parameters in place. Like I want plans like twice a week, mm-hmm. maybe three times a week with people who are not just my husband. Mm-hmm. So we're- I, we're- I'm not attracting the friends who like what you were saying in L. A. Where you have plans like every single yeah. day? Like I'm not attracting that someone who is like a who needs more from yeah. a relationship than like let's do something fun once a week. Right. We're not going to be friends, and that's totally fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, but,
1: I think it's pretty clear that like that's definitely one of the reasons why I chose to move out of L. A. Is yeah. because I just need to be a little bit more selfish. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm into it. I love it. Um. So books. Obviously, you and I are both big
0: readers. There's never mm-hmm. a time enough time to read all the books that we want to read. Um. Which two or three books? would you say have had the biggest impact on you or that you reread the most or recommend the most or that you're most likely to be like, oh my
1: God, you have to read this? Um, That's hard. <laughs> um, okay, going all the way back, all the way back, like the first book, one of the first books that I read and was like, other people should read this, it's gonna like affect their lives was The Happiness Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason, one of the reasons why I felt that way is because the thing about the happiness project as a project is it's just a project. Like you can do it and then it's over and it will have a long-term impact of course, but it's like a doable amount of work for most people. Um, So I think that that's why I felt like that was a good book to recommend to other people because like, it's doable. Like it can have an impact. Um, It's not asking too much. Like it's not like you have to overhaul your whole life Mm -hmm. and it sort of opens up this whole genre of, (laughs) self-helpy <laughs> kind of personal development reading that you could do. Um but which again like, is one
0: of those things that's good until it's not. Like exactly. too little of it is not good. Exactly. And too much of it, as I have definitely found, is also not good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But that's definitely one that I have purchased and given away a lot. And then um the other book that I like I'll find myself having to buy copies of all the time because I'm giving them away is the Little Prince. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know it's just delightful it's so charming and it's I think that it's like a really thoughtful gift to give people (laughs) yeah
0: I know I I mean I love giving books in general I love Mm -hmm. all books read all the things yeah um so the last question when you look ahead at the next couple of months what do you feel most excited about
1: um so on one hand I'm super excited like I've I moved to Oregon in August and it was summer for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden it was fall and it was so charming. Like I was just like so happy walking around, seeing all the leaves change coming from LA. Like there were no seasons. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what winter is also like. And then again, spring, which is much farther out, but just w- this is a whole new kind of environment. And it's super exciting um, to just like, Live in a city that's walkable where things are constantly changing around you and um, to just like have the nature right there all the
0: time. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel like the seasons was a huge thing for I me. And obviously, I had it in New York, but then lived in California on and off a long time. Mm-hmm. The seasons, it almost like makes time pass in a more natural way that reminds me that I'm not a robot, meaning that like yes, maybe I am more hibernating during the winter, right? Yeah. Or maybe I am more social and active during the summer and w- whatever that is. Like, right.
1: like it, it, it reminds me that things kind of are more cyclical, which yeah. I like. And the thing that's been happening, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but like now it's it's November as we're recording this. And so historically speaking, it's the fall, but like occasionally we're having like a really nice day and it always feels like the last nice day and it makes you want to take advantage of it. Like you appreciate it so much more. Totally, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, what's the best place for people to find you and say hi online um so i am an instagram person i like instagram because i'm super visual um so on both instagram and twitter i'm andrea ki it's a-n-d-r-e-a-k-i <laughs> what's the k for that's my middle name is kim i did not know that i feel like we've talked about that before probably and then yeah. i blacked it out <laughs> is that a family name
0: uh yeah that's my uncle's name All right, Mm -hmm. let's see. I'm learning new things about you all the time and I will put links to that in the show notes. This was so fun, thank you. This was so fun. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. I couldn't do this without you. And as I said way back at the top of the episode, this is now a 100% listener supported show. The show is made possible by people like Blair. Hi, Blair. Hey, Nicole. I'm super excited that you and I are going to play my favorite game, Would You Rather, and I have three Would You Rather questions for you, if you are ready. Yeah, let's hear them. (laughs) You sound so resigned. This is going to be (laughs) terrible. I know. Okay. Well, yeah, this, yeah. yeah, I have some good ones for you. Would you rather only be able to eat food that's already been chewed up by someone else or never be able to listen to music again?
2: Oh, gosh. I think I'm going to go with, oh, that's so hard. I think never listen to music again, because I just enjoy eating so much, but to have it, and even like eating and the presentation of food and all of that, to have it look so nasty every time, I think it would just be too much so I'm gonna go with no music
0: I would go with the same thing (laughs) this is my my favorite one of the whole of all of these outros just because it's so disgusting oh man anyway yeah I don't want to eat food that's been chewed by someone else even if it's the person that I love the most in the world like you chew your food I'll chew my food I just feel like as much as I would miss music it would ruin my life to have to eat chewed up food by someone else Totally, the same way. Okay, so the next one, would you rather never be able to have or use a cell phone again or never be able to wear clean clothes ever again?
2: Oh man, another tough one in such a like cell phone-obsessed society. Oh, Like how dirty are we talking? Um, I think I might have to, oh man. I try not to be obsessed with my cell phone and check it all the time, but it really is like my way of keeping in touch with people. So I may have to not, uh, yeah, I think I might have to choose the cell phone over clean clothes, which is really gross, but no, it's honest.
0: I like it. I think mine would be the opposite because there's at least enough alternatives to the cell phone. I mean, I mean, I guess I could have a landline who remembers those and, <laughs> you know, like my laptop or I don't know, like an iPad or something, but I don't know. I think not being able to wear clean clothes. I agree with you. My question would be how not clean are we talking, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like just, well, maybe I would just get used to it, I guess. And sorry for everyone else. Um Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, to, to be honest, your three questions I think are probably the hardest ones of all of them. So um, the last one, would you rather be handcuffed to someone you hate twenty four seven for an entire month or not be able to see or speak to your two closest friends for an entire year?
2: I'd have to go as handcuffed to someone I hate for a month because I couldn't go that long. I talk to like my two best friends every day. And to not be able to for a year would just be not worth it. Yeah, I agree. I also feel like you,
0: yeah, it's a month, right? And you could, I don't know. I mean, maybe you would wind up hating them less. Like you'd have to come to some kind of a common ground in that experience.
2: Yeah, totally. I feel like I'd be able to just suck it up and we'd probably end up, not hating each other as much because we both have to just deal with it. Yeah, agreed. Okay. So
0: why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the rest of the listeners real quick. Tell everyone where you live and one thing that you are totally obsessed with right now.
2: All right. So my name is Blair and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. And actually last night at 6.45 p.m., so just about 24 hours ago, my nephew, my very first nephew was born. So I am just totally obsessed with him. He's so cute and so perfect. I'm probably biased because he's my nephew, but man, just 100% obsession with that cute little boy. Well, that's
0: exciting. Congrats. Being an aunt is so fun. I felt the same way when my nieces were first born. I'm like, these are the cutest. These are the best people ever. And I still feel that way. And they are in college. So yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just something so, so special. So I'm loving it.
0: Well, that is a lovely answer. So you are a member of our Patreon support squad, meaning that you're one of the people that listeners can thank for making this podcast possible since you've made a small and powerful pledge that helps to fund the costs of producing the show each season. And I would love for you to share why you decided to support the show and maybe one thing that you love about being in our kind of backstage community.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, So I first found the podcast from... Um, Julie Hanlon, so your friend, running on OWN podcast and just like fell in love with your conversations with her and how real they were. So then I started listening to your podcast and I just found it so refreshing to not have like these scripted podcasts and how they just were real. And so then when I found out you were doing the Patreon thing, I just wanted to give back in a way because I feel like the podcast has given me so much. So that's why I support it. And then the community is just great because there's all that additional bonus content and your free um, workbooks and I don't know, it's just fun. And then you post questions about like interview questions on the end that you want to ask the people that are on the podcast. So it's just fun. You let us be a part of it. And so... I think it's awesome. Oh, I'm
0: so flattered. Thank you so much. There's all such kind stuff to say. Yeah, I yeah. love I love our little community and I really do hope that the show can continue and that we can do lots more fun stuff and I'm so grateful that you were brave enough to join me for this. So thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. And to everyone listening, if you love the podcast, if you want over 20 hours of bonus content, if and if you want to help us reach the funding goal that we need to hit in order to keep the show going beyond the end of 2016, so beyond the end of this season, go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $8 or more for each eight-episode season. I can't tell you how much your support means to me, and I can't wait to get to know you better behind the scenes in our community. So until next time, here's a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can, and no matter what, we're in this together.